Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Legends Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I've got Dylan on a less pissier couch. And it's I got the lighting. It's the same couch. He he says. And Noah, his nest is made. He's here. We got quality autism here. We're going to be this is a two section podcast, really. We've got First, we'll talk about the Legends news of things that are coming out this year and came out at the end of last year that we didn't talk about, um, which is only a couple things. And then <clears throat> the second half of the podcast, Noah and I will rank all of Rob McGregor's Indiana Jones books, with the exception of Staff of Kings, because I want to do a separate episode on that in the future. And also, we have neither of us have read it. <laughs> because I didn't realize there was actually an EPUB of it until last week. I just knew that Rob McGregor did a reading of it on his podcast. So, anyway, let's talk some Legends news. At the end of last year, we got two audiobooks for the books Outbound Flight and Survivor's Quest, both by Timothy Zahn. This was a really nice surprise because basically Delray said they weren't going to do audiobooks for the Essential Legends collection anymore. And I think their sales dipped severely, so they decided to rectify that. Mm -hmm. So this year we've gotten Courtship of Princess Leia. Um, and Yoda Dark Rendezvous. Yoda Dark Rendezvous. And they've also, uh, in this most recent wave... Um, so that was just filling the backlog of things that had already been released in the Essential Legends collection. Mm -hmm. In the most recent wave, they did Race Squadron, and it has also gotten an unabridged audiobook. And then in the next two waves, which haven't been officially announced yet, but have leaked, books two and three of the Race Squadron are in them. So presumably those will also have unabridged audiobooks. I think I'm pretty sure the pre-order for Iron Fist is up. Yeah, the pre-order for Iron Fist, I'm pretty sure, is up already. Or you can find it. I don't think it's been officially announced. That wave has been officially announced, but you can find it. Curiously, because also in the backlog of already released ones is the first two, um, sorry, the first three, and now this recent wave has the fourth that just released, has the fourth Republic Commando books, which don't have unabridged audiobooks, and they didn't give them unabridged audiobooks, which is strange given yeah. how popular those books are within certain circles of the fandom. So, Dylan, your theory is that Delray's <laughs> still mad at Karen Travis? See, I don't think that's... That's the only thing I can think of, but, like, that was over a decade and a half ago. Who at Delray still cares about that anymore? See, I, I thought that she put, like, a cease and assist, but she wouldn't have the... None of the contracts had anything like that. No. Not even one for her. And she also works with other, like, she she works with other franchises that do license you where she knows that the game is like, you don't technically own it. And that's mm -hmm. why she left is because she could, didn't, couldn't write the stories that she wanted to anymore. But... I don't know. And also concerning is that in the leaked 
um, next two ways. We have the Lando Calrissian Adventures, mm -hmm. which there is not a pre-order that anyone has been able to find for an Underbridge audiobook for that. And the most recent wave for um, the Han Solo Adventures, there is also not an Underbridge audiobook for that one either. At least a Fine. listing for it. Fine Edition says hello there. Hello there, Fine Edition. General Kenobi with your... Um, a weird art style of the um, Tartasi Clone Wars Grievous. His head's a little smaller than it should be. I, I approve. Uh, Noah is barely with us here. Yes. All the I audio literally just woke up. My it's back fine. hurts and my eyes are just... That's fine. But it's yeah, like I, three I, in the morning I, I just you. want to add, I like that they announced Lando books are coming out before the Han Solo adventures. Mm -hmm. well, I, I approve that decision. So here's another interesting one, because I, I I, kind of alluded to this in my first video about the Essential Legends collection, like what I would do. You've got to have one of the two Lando trilogies, uh, sorry, one of the two Han Solo trilogies in it. But interesting that they picked the daily one, not the AC Crispin one. Like, I, I find that fascinating mm -hmm. of, um, not that it's a bad decision, but that's like, that's just the way that they decided to go with it. And also, if that means that since they did the daily ones that they're not going to do the Crispin ones. That would suck. I mean, that would be really weird because the Barnes and Noble exclusive. Yeah. East Crispin ones for as tie into the solo movie. So, and those are, that's out of print now. You can't get that. Though they also could have done the adventure ones because they're shorter books and you could just, more easily condense three books into one when each of them is only like 150 pages. Well, yeah, with the uh, AC Crispin ones, they'll, in, they'll probably release them individually. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really expect it, but it's a shame they didn't release like the Lando and Han books individually because I like the old covers and they, they haven't done that in, yeah. in <laughs> since the 80s. No, yeah. Well, yeah, because they, they did the three in ones in the 90s. Mm hmm. And they've done and that. Then, uh, <clears throat> but they did a reprint of at least the Han trilogies in the 90s, I think. They did, like, new covers for Bantam. Right? No, that's Easy Crispin. No, no, I'm pretty sure they did. They re-released them under, like, classic Star Wars. I've yeah, but it was that. a three-in-one. At least it was in America. Yeah, I saw the... Th I have, I've seen the three-in-one of the Bantam era and then the three-in-one of the Delray era. I, I didn't know yeah. if they even released them separately after the 80s. I, I swear I saw they a may have of just Star's End. I swear I saw a cover of just Star's End. Let me check. But also, uh, the other leak, um, the leak from the new wave, as we've talked about, Han Solo Adventures and um, Solo Command, which we knew. Uh, the Force Unleashed. Which is odd, but not the strangest inclusion to the Essential Legends collection they've had, so. There you go. Huh. I don't know if those got really... That could have been a UK thing or something. I'm not sure. Hmm. I've never seen those in used bookstores before. I have seen that cover. But, yeah, I don't know. That's it's kind of... Kind of wild. Yeah. Um... 
the other thing the other thing I wanted to talk about were the omnibuses from Marvel that we're getting this year. Because <clears throat> Epic Collections were coming to an end with those. And mm-hmm. actually we're actually we're seeing stuff being reprinted in Epic Collections. And Rise so of- I put it. Rise of the Sith Volume 1 and uh, New Republic Volume 1 are both getting reprinted. I wanted Infinities to be reprinted, but I don't think that sold well, so they probably won't. I, I know Knights Infinities. of the Old Republic Volume 1 is going to be reprinted in a couple of months, I... which I'm excited about because I have the rest of the series and that one's missing. Yeah. that one's... I... Infinities is my favorite of the Epic Collections, not because I like Infinities, but I just love that they had the gall to put the Legends banner on some um, with like with the Infinities banner at the same time. It's like double not canon. Well, the irony is the cover of that is the Star Wars. Yep. Which is just horrific. Um, allegedly, people like the Star Wars. Hmm. How? I don't. Who are those people? They're the people that like the what if, like first draft screenplays. There's a there's a sub unit of comic book fans that liked when Dark Horse would do that, and I get it. They did William Gibson's Alien Three script. That wasn't a bad comic. Um, they took Dan O'Bannon's original Alien script and put that made that into a comic too. And Jeremy Barlow was actually adapting the original Predator <clears throat> script. Hmm. And then wasn't Marvel bought the right, got the rights to to it, and it got canceled. And I'm like, no, wasn't, not the Grasshopper Shapeshifter from the novelization. Wasn't there a comic run pre A New Hope for Star Wars as like promotional? I I remember I remember hearing about this once that there was there was obviously the novelization that came out like the year before the movie. But that there was also like a short run comic series that was also meant to just promote the movie. The only comic series I'm aware of from that time is the the first five issues of Star Wars are an adaptation of A New Hope. Mm. And I know there were comic strips, but they were after the only one that's before. It's an adaptation of Han Solo at Star's End. Interesting. A UK comic strip and then was reprinted in the 90s. Because hmm. they reprinted all the comic strips. They reprinted every, all the Marvel stuff got reprinted in the 90s. It's actually, now I'm thinking about it, I think it was a comic strip that was the pre A New Hope one. It was, but there was something that was like, he made something that was supposed to just promote the movie that came out before the movie, other than the novelization, but I forgot what it was. Hmm. For New Hope. Because I'm thinking there's one newspaper strip where they included uh, Admiral Ackbar, Revenge of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Someone someone probably knows. Yeah. I'll ask Chris. He probably owns it. Probably owns five and is trying to sell them. <laughs> but what That's I like about I the see. epic collections is that they are ending on a high note. Oh yeah, the New Republic one. <laughs> we were talking about this. Yeah, if you're gonna go out, do it with invasion. Yeah, do it with no, no. It's not just invasion because this is because they do it chronologically, right? So this is how it's gonna be. It's gonna be a uh, union, Chewbacca, and then invasion. 
Union just yeah. sandwiched between these two terrible stories. <laughs> that well, so I think Union has some of it. Some fans. I've, I know of a few people who unironically well, like Union. I like people that I like the idea of reading that in order. Like you get the Union, the marriage of Luke and Mara. Then you get Chupa. Oh, Chewbacca is dead, by the way, right after. And then you get Invasion. And then you get uh, New Jedi Order fan fiction self insert. Mm. <clears throat> but we got to talk about the omnibuses that are coming out. Mm-hmm. We're getting another Rebellion omnibus, which is primarily Empire Comics. And some, I think, a couple Boba Fett one shots. Also, I think it might actually end in and when Empire Comics turned into Rebellion Comics, it might have all of that. Mm-hmm. And I know it has. Oh gosh, was it River of Chaos? That weird Leia comic from the early nineties that no one's read. At some point, I will review that and talk about it because it's like it's weird and bad. And I think it has Splinter of the Mind's Eye in it, the comic adaptation. Which, as far as, like, the novels that got comic book adaptations, I think Splinter of the Mind's Eye has the best art overall. That or Shadows of the Empire, I'm not sure which. Yeah. Uh, So there's probably only one more Rebellion Omnibus after this. We're getting... A New Republic Omnibus Volume 2, which we were supposed to get at the end of last year, is being coming out in the summer, which that's going to be the Thrawn Trilogy and Dark Empire, so that thing's going to sell immediately. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to have Crimson Empire in it as well, but uh, they they held back. Yeah, they've got to they've got to sell the next book too. You know, we can't put all the bangers in one book. Yeah, well, they how are you going to sell Jedi Academy Leviathan otherwise? Oh, that's right. They're going to put it. That's a good point. They're going to put it with Crimson Empire, so people buy Crimson Empire, and then they're like, "What is this weird story with uh, the other Dorsk brother that I didn't care about or clone?" Yeah, that was always a weird thing. That I read that comic before mm-hmm. I ever read Jedi Academy, mm-hmm. so I was deeply confused. Dorsgate, it's so unfair to Dorsgate too, because like he's in the Jedi Academy trilogy, kind of, like for a few pages when they go to the home planet. And then like Dorsk dies in Dorsk 81 dies. And then there's the Jedi Academy Leviathan comic where like, oh yeah, now you're gonna take on Dork's legacy and like be in the Jedi new uh being Luke's Jedi New Jedi Order. And then like no mention of him all the way until like when he when he dies in New Jedi Order. Like that's like the that's like the next mention of Dorsk 82. And it's like, if you've read that, you're just like, oh, well, that sucks. But then you go, you think about it, it's like, what else was he in? No, it was just Jedi Academy Trilogy, uh, Jedi Academy Leviathan. And then I want to say it was Balance Point that he died, or maybe it was the Edge of Victory. It's somewhere around then. But yeah. Did you list Darksaber? Because, yeah, that's... Was he also in Darksaber, or is he just... Yeah, I think he was in Darksaber. Don't they go to okay. his planet in Darksaber? I thought they went to his planet in the Jedi Academy trilogy, but maybe they went... To Everything happened in that trilogy, so possibly. Yeah. 
the kitchen sink happened in that trilogy. They had a they had they got to go to uh, the snow resort on Coruscant in that trilogy. Yeah, that trilogy is wonderful. I have a couple of people on my <clears throat> server who disagree. <laughs> like literally, like three different people read it for the first time, and they were all like, "Oh my god, this is the worst thing I've ever read." And you I don't want to touch Star Wars again. You have someone in your server that thinks Courtship of Princess Leia is the worst Phantom book. That's obviously a bad take. That's the worst take. That goes to... Oh, what is that? Planet of Twilight? That's another debate. Is If Planet of Twilight is actually worse than Children of the Jedi. Which is interesting because a lot of people are saying now that Children of the Jedi is the worst of the two. But I agree because Planet of Twilight is shorter. And it's not quite as confusingly badly written. See, here's the thing. I grew up not knowing that Children of the Jedi and Darksaber existed. We only had Planet of Twilight. <laughs> I didn't know that was a like an unofficial trilogy for a very long time. I didn't... So that's probably why I have such a resentment <laughs> towards... <laughs> Who is this? Who is this woman with Luke? <laughs> why is why can't Luke use the Force? Why is Leia fighting a hut dark Jedi, which is actually like the only kind of cool thing? Can I say cool when talking about Planet of Twilight? I don't think I can. It's the only thing I liked in that book. Um, yeah, because the easy out is Crystal Star, right? It's not. It's not. Again, again, I had a bunch of people read it for the first time, and they all told me, "Why is this considered the worst one? Like, this is at least half a legit good book." Okay, okay, I've I've got a theory. You got to go by publication order. Mm -hmm. That's that's why I think because people, the Bantam Boomers read Bantam in publication order, Mm -hmm. right? So they read, um, uh, so it was the Thrawn trilogy first. And then right after the Thrawn trilogy was, I think, the first two books of Jedi Academy and Truth then Bakura. Crystal Star. Oh, yeah, yeah. Truce Bakura, too. But that was their introduction. So, like, But then they already read worse with the Jedi Academy trilogy. <sighs> sorry, did you mean the Truce of Baruka? Baruka. The, well, the thing is, Bantu Boomers actually like uh, Jedi Academy trilogy. I so for them, right. the first bad one was Crystal Star. That, that that that's my whole point. For them, the first bad one was Crystal Star. I, I take it back. The worst Bantam books, and it's all three of them. Even though I haven't read most of the third one yet, it's the KW Jeter Bounty Hunter Wars. I hear that a lot. That is those uh, hard merchandise. No, which one's the second? Slave Ship. Nothing happened. It's 400 pages of nothing happened. But you got to stretch it into a trilogy because that's Star Wars. It's awful. Uh, it's it's awful and hard merchandise. I'm like, I started reading it in January, got 20 pages in and gave up. So who knows when I review that trilogy? It's I still take it over Jedi Academy. 
See, Jedi Academy has all sorts of wonderful things like the garbage Luke king throwing out being thrown out of his body and flying around. That's Han amazing. Han abandoning his children so he can go skiing with Kip Duran. Dude, Han and Leia abandon their kids on a regular basis. That's yeah. Just... I'm glad Jedi Academy uh, established they are terrible parents and yeah. everything. Letting their kids roam around the under the uh, the undercity of Coruscant by themselves when they're like three. Yeah, they shove them off to Chewbacca and C-3PO, like the worst par- like <clears throat> pairing you can get. <clears throat> that is pretty funny. It's. I mean, yeah, that that's always been weird to me, because wouldn't you just give them to Winter? Winter raised those children. Mm-hmm. Did Winter want the day off? Is I don't know, because <laughs> in um, in Dark Empire, they they literally talk about how they never see their children, mm-hmm. and it made me wonder, why are you having another one? You don't see the two that you have. Oh yeah, in the comments, Marcel brings up a very good point that still needs to be addressed in the Legends timeline. Is that? Uh, no, the one below. What happens to the Sun Crusher by the end of Jedi Academy? Yeah, did Luke hide it somewhere? We don't know. I thought he. I thought they flew it into the Mon Cluster. That's what happened. Do you don't you know the joke? Mm. Matt Wilkins. On like his new Jedi Order updates, was like this would have been a perfect opportunity to bring in the Sun Crusher since we never learned what happened to it. His favorite trilogy of books, by the way. I didn't know that meme. (laughs) Matt, did Luke hide it somewhere? Matt, read slower. Read Read slower. You'll you'll retain more information. They tried putting it. (laughs) They tried hiding it in Yavin, but that didn't work because. Because uh, Kip Dern just forced forced it out, and then they're like, "Okay, we'll just throw it in the maw because that will surely destroy it." We never hear from it again because it's in the maw. It's it sucked into a black hole. Imagine Abeloth. Abeloth using the sun crusher. <laughs> Abeloth, the worst character in Star Wars. No, that goes to Vishit. Come on, uh, that's yeah. Fair. That that's fair. He should just he should have just stayed dead. The timeline would be so much better if he had just stayed dead. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But we, we haven't even gotten to the last omnibus here. Tales of the Jedi is getting an omnibus. Which with, which starts with Dawn of the Jedi. Yes, and, once again. Oh no one's unhappy. I and <laughs> I like Dawn of the Jedi too. I'm one of the very few people that actually kind of likes the Dawn of the Jedi comics. But why? <laughs> it has nothing to do with the Tales of the Jedi. But it's set very early. Yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those where do you put it? it, it, it there's not enough of them to make an omnibus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh boy. That's pretty much what's coming out this year. Oh, we didn't talk about I Jedi got is getting an audiobook. Mm-hmm. That's one. I'm just hyped for the new covers. I'm sure they all gonna look fantastic. <laughs> well, I Jedi is unironically, I think, one of the better covers that have come out of the Essential Lesson collection. 
I mean, yeah, but that's also not hard. I don't know what it has to do with I Jedi, but it's nice. I mean, it's a guy with a lightsaber looking over the temple on Yavin 4, so... You know, I was we, actually we... talking... I remember talking to Chris about this, but, like, it's kind of ironic. If you look at the uh, um, the Essential Legends covers, they're, with very few exceptions, it's all stuff that you would assume about the book if you just knew the title of the book. Like, there's no really, in the covers, there's no real references to, like, the actual what happens in the book. With the exception, ironically enough, of the Republic Commando series. Yeah. Where all of the covers are actual scenes of the books, which is interesting because that's the also the one that is most, like, that has the, uh, the AI art allegations for it. Yeah. it. It's just a weird coincidence, and I don't know why, but... Also, how many Essential Legends books have good covers and how many have bad <laughs> covers at this point? Well, we should do a ranking on that because I think Shadowhunter <laughs> is good, but... That is a wonderful idea for a podcast. That is. <laughs> that is a good one. I can tell you which one's probably the worst at this point. Is it it's easily Dawn, Dawn of the, the Jedi? Jedi. Yeah, it looks like a, a child yeah, it, with a broken arm drew it. Did I tell yeah. you about when I posted this on Reddit as like a joke? I said, it's nice to know the editor's niece got to make a cover and they removed it because it was insulting to the editors. <laughs> if I, I am, I'm half tempted. I, I wouldn't do this to a book. But if I if I had less morals, I'm half tempted to buy that book just to rip out the cover and then put it on my fridge with a oh, magnet. Oh, we didn't talk about how they've done a limited UK run of a yes! for of Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void that's signed by Tim Levin. Yes. With I'm that sorry, but who is that for? Uh, well, Matt, uh, Geeks Attic bought one. You have it. Oh yes. Oh my god. Look at look at it in all its glory. I'm not saying that the original cover was particularly good. It was kind of mediocre. Mm -hmm. I mean but it was cool enough looking. That is horrendous. It gets worse every time I see it. Mm -hmm. I especially like uh, the pyramid shape here, which yeah doesn't look Good. Can we also talk about how, like, Wraith Squadron and has the has a cover that looks like the Alphabet Squadron books? So that gave me a, a PTSD flashback to You're a litter right. box full of tampons. And also, the Wraith Squadron book, like <clears throat> the, I I, I kind of get it. Because uh, I kind of get the idea of it, but I think there is a better Wraith to put on the Wraith Squadron book than Jasmine Akbar. I'm sorry. Like, I know it's a big plot point in the book. She's basically the Lujane Forge of Wraith Squadron, the, the one that dies first and then, like, makes everyone sad, right? But, like, I think there's more iconic Wraith you could have put on that book cover than Jasmine Akbar. I'm, but, I'm but you know why, why they did? Because people, average fans, look at this and they're like, Oh my god, it's Wedge Antilles and Admiral Ackbar. 
But they're what are they gonna put Piggy on there? I yes. would buy that. I, yes. I would buy it, but that's that's because I like that character. Because obviously, right, Iron Fist is gonna have face and fanny, right? Obviously, right? And then Solo Command, I don't know what they'll do with Solo. Oh, I should Iron Fist isn't out yet. If Iron Fist does not have face and fanon on the cover, I will be very upset. That I will this that will be the first one that legitimately upsets me. If that's not Oh my god, you know what would make sense if you do if you have to do like this style with like two people on the cover? Mercy Kill with Piggy and the Yuzan Vong. Ooh, that's a good one. That would be good. Now that would be eye-catching. Uh, well, this leads me to a whole thing that I've been thinking about lately with the Essential Legends collection. So we're going to get a new Jedi Order movie with, with Daisy Ridley in it. And we're not going to talk about that on here because I, I don't want to spend any of my life talking about that. But you know they're going to be putting some new Jedi Order in the Essential Legends collection. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I, I don't know what the Essential Legends are. Because at least here in, on Amazon Germany, <clears throat> all the old paperbacks are sold out, like out of stock. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, this is like the only way to get the books now. Mm -hmm. And since it's Essential Legends... To me, that implied, oh, it's not going to be all of them. It's just the ones we deem the most important, like Death Troopers or The Force Unleashed. Death Troopers is important. It's important to my channel. It got me a lot of views. <laughs> Though, to be fair, I appreciate that they didn't put in the Jedi Academy trilogy into the Essential Collection. Not yet. Still no Anderson. He's no, written, I... like, 20 books, and they not one of them. Though 14 of those were kids' books, so... I bet you... Ooh, I don't know. What if they put Jude Watson in there before they put Kevin J. Yeah, I don't know if they can, because I don't... I, uh, that's a scholastic deal they would Yeah. I don't know who has the rights to the young adult books. Like, who... who If they would get reprinted, like... I don't know who... What company we need to pester that actually has the license to, like, reprint them. Because I, I don't think it's DK. I don't think it's uh, whatever Lucas's internal book that they handed over um, after... It swapped from DK, whatever that was. It's definitely not the Lucas books, which Lucas is books, all yeah. the YA stuff now. They don't have that. I can almost yeah. guarantee it. Um, and I don't, I think people have reached out to Scholastic. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to do, we'd have to do research on it. But because I, the younger, because I, I think I've talked about this, but like with everything else, like when Delray bought the rights to the comics from Marvel, they retained the rights to reprint the old Marvel comics. And then when Marvel got it back from Delray, they retained the rights to do the you old mean Dark Horse. Dark Horse, sorry. And when well, the old Dark Horse, right? When the rights transferred, they could the new rights holder could still print the old. That also happened with um, that also happened with the novels when they went from Delray to Bantam and then Bantam back to Delray. That also happened with the role-playing game stuff because um, Wizards of the Coast and Fantasy of Flight were both able to reprint old uh, West End game stuff. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, that deal, I don't know why, but I don't know why this happened, but for whatever reason, that doesn't seem to have happened. That rights transfer doesn't seem to have happened with the young adult books. So it's a weird case of anyone who's done a petition or anything 
the the key to figuring out how to reprint the young adult books is to figure out who actually has the rights to them. And that's and that's the people we need to bother because it's not Delray, it's not DK, and it's not Lucas Brooks. Yeah, yeah. It it's a shame because the Star Wars YA books are so well made for the most part. I can, we can get into this briefly. Uh, I just finished Jedi Apprentice book eighteen, so I'm basically done with Primary Jedi Apprentice. What a great series! I think it might be better than Galaxy of Fear overall, just by a hair. It's definitely better than Young Jedi Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a shame that this series can't be reprinted, you know? Because I think it still holds up today. Yeah. And it didn't baby the kids. It didn't pander to them like at all. I mean, some things are it's written at a younger reading level, like just with its verbiage. Yeah. But like this But that was it. That was the beauty of the old Star Wars YA stuff. Most yeah. of it at least. It's not something shared with the new YA stuff. Oh, the one with the fart weddings and uh, Padme's 14-year-old lesbian handmaidens? Yes. Yes, those. Yeah. I've I've seen you since you're not active on the Discord. The people on there who read Junior Jedi Knights for the first time called it embarrassingly good because those six children's books are better than most of the Bantam novels. <laughs> I, and it's like, wow, you really got your priorities straight. That was uh who was the other one? I know Rebecca Massetta wrote three of them. I always forget who the other um, Nancy, Nancy Richardson. Richardson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are good. Mm-hmm. Even Secret Missions, which had no business being good, <clears throat> is probably the best TCW tie in ever. Not if you believe Matt Wilkins, you know, that, that white space. Uh, oh, you mean the Stealth and Siege? Well, no, the, I'm sorry. The Siege Gambit. Gambit. He's finally saying it correctly now. The meme is dead. Uh, No, the meme will always live on, just like when he um, couldn't figure out how to use Google Hangout. And it took... How long did it take, Dylan? Five years. It was like an hour. Oh, I thought you meant like for him to actually be consistently good at it. No, the first time we had him on the Legends podcast, we were like an hour late. <laughs> we didn't know how the internet worked. Um, but anyway. With, what, what? With Sieging Gambit, I liked it on his reread. He just, the first review was like corrupted. Like it, there wasn't any audio. He somehow screwed it up. And then he didn't upload a review for the second book at all. Well, I mean, you know, what's... <laughs> What really is and he's like, it's fine. Oh, and he it's... also forgot this, this, the final Boba Fett YA book again. Really? <laughs> yeah, he, he forgot that it existed again. And so there's Wait, just no what? review of it. What? <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe, Matt Wilkins, you should probably stop re- releasing a video every day. <laughs> I mean, Meg takes like, what, two weeks to make a video about a book she's reading? I mean, 
I'm I'm good again. <clears throat> but I've been reading kids stuff, so it doesn't take me that long. <laughs> I mean, Matt also reads like normal books in a day. But I think he said that with Darkness, he read Joiner King in a single day. Joiner King and Unseen Queen, both in one day. How? I he don't know. He speed reads. He speed reads. He's a speed reader, but the, you know, there there are pluses and minuses to speed reading. Like, uh, con insisting a book series is called Siege and Gambit. <laughs> or forgetting the climax to your um, self-declared favorite book trilogy. You know, what happened to the Sun Crusher? That's what we needed Sword of the Jedi for. Maybe they would have answered it, finally. Yeah, Zeno the Sonoma Sakat's actually the Sun Crusher. <laughs> the Dagger of Mortis is actually on Zenoma Sakat. Oh, God. oh, I mean that that Hand of Thrawn forty five fanfic. Zenoma Sakat was doing all sorts of weird crap. You guys were Dylan. You didn't read it. No. It it can resurrect people now. Yeah, if it, it if it comes in contact with you, it can resurrect. Why didn't it do that with the blood carver? That you know, that was <laughs> that was a real interesting one. But it it it, re, it resurrects Jason. Of course, so that Jason can have a goodbye with Jaina. You mean like the goodbye he? Oh, with Jaina. Okay, I was about to say. You mean like the goodbye he had with Luke in uh, in the uh, Beyond Shadows? The Lake of Apparitions, sorry. Yeah, I regret nothing. Goodbye, suckers. Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> I liked it. But no, no, the whole thing was Hand of Thrawn 45 is setting up it, it, that last ungodly long freaking book is that he's going to bring back Anakin Skywalker. Because that's what Zenoma Sakat wants, is wants Anakin back. Because remember Rogue Planet? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> middle finger to The goodbye he had in, with Luke and Faith said it was just a middle finger to Luke. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he goes there like three or four times, I want to say, to like talk to Luke, Mara, and Anakin. Or uh, talk to Mara, um, Jason, and Anakin again. Yeah, and he just walks by all the other people yeah, that have died of, in his life. Yeah, it, it is there. saying all of the rogue squadron pilots that like that like fought and di he died with died with in battle. All of like the other Jedi too. And it's like no, nah, my wife, my and my 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 niece, my two niece and nephews. I mean, that's fair. That, that that's fair. There, there's family. I the guess. one that that got me, and I get. Like no Obi Wan, yeah. Uh, the, but yeah, I guess we're holding to heir the Empire. No, Anakin, Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, he would surely be at the Lake of Apparitions, wouldn't he? No Yoda. I mean, maybe they are chilling out because we've seen the afterlife in the Force and the Marvel comic run. Remember. It's in one issue in uh, the one that's drawn by Jen Dosima. Hmm. <clears throat> huh. 
Huh. No. I don't I remember that, that one. one. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yoda in the afterlife is gonna teach like uh, two siblings who just died, and they wanted to become Jedi when they were alive, and now they he's gonna teach them. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I e- we're getting into we're getting into the weeds here, <laughs> uh, but I just wanted to bring this up because no one really Meg's the only one that's ever really talked about this. Why is Mara not one with the Force? Oh, don't don't the books directly say uh, she fell to the dark side, kind of, because she tried to kill Jason? That's why she's in the Force Purgatory, and she's burning in hell? So, like, sacrifice makes it sound like she had to... She didn't want to become, like, evaporate, basically, so Luke Mm -hmm. would find her body, but that doesn't make sense, because she could just show up as a Force ghost and tell him. Oh, it's because... That was written by terrible writers like Karen Travis and Troy Denning. <laughs> that that's it. That's it. That you know, if they just followed the normal rules that are established, that whole plot wouldn't work. <laughs> you see, that's what the answer I was expecting. So yeah. I'm I'm glad we got it. But anyway, do we want to talk some Indiana Jones? Yes, sure. Dylan, do you want to sit through? <laughs> a weird Indiana Jones talk. There may uh, be things of interest in there. It's going to be interesting. There, I'll tell you what. Every one of those books is worth reading, and I don't say that ironically. I mean that in a good or bad, bad way. In a good way. The yeah. only one that's a little like on the okay side is Peril at Delphi, and I mean we both love the final one. Interior oh. world, but that one is insane. But you gotta build to that. Yeah. So are you gonna oh yeah, you, you need to lay off the cigarettes, Noah, and he just keeps coughing. Very funny. I just you know <laughs> took a drink and I it's fine. So I just grabbed the books. Okay. Just so I have something here. I don't have them on me, they're in the other room. But... Uh, we have a. We're making a tier list here. Of Rob McGregor was probably the most prolific Indiana Jones author. He's tied with the German author Wolfgang Holbein with oh, eight, eight books. Yeah, because Dylan, there are German exclusive Indiana Jones books that are canon that have never officially been translated. I mean, Indiana Jones takes place in the 30s and 40s, so why wouldn't there be? Mm-hmm. Also, the French exclusive, but they only got free comics and uh, YA books. Yeah, and there it's young indie stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, but the German exclusives we get World War Two indie after the movies. That's fun. Which is not a thing in the Bantam novels. There take well the Rob McGregor ones take place in the twenties, and the Mark Caden and Max McCoy books take place in the early thirties. Yeah, and McCoy is already building up uh, Temple of Doom. <laughs> so, yeah, Rob McGregor's the only novelization author to get the the green light to write expanded adventures books. And I really like Rob McGregor. He did a lot to expand the India character of Indiana Jones. 
kind of not alongside the Indiana Jones show until near the end. Mm-hmm. It's not until we get to the last Indiana Jones book that they start. No, no, it's it's in Genesis Deluge they start referencing the show. And it's just not often. So yeah, I think it's because the the books came out around the same time, and there wasn't any big communication going on. Okay, so Noah, let's break down this tier list. So in, in future Legends podcast, <clears throat> we'll do the, we'll do tier lists for Star Wars authors too. It's just that Noah and I happen to both be done with all the Rob McGregor stuff, and we are not going to put Staff of Kings on here. Because Staff of Kings will... I've not read it. We'll eventually put it on here. But yeah. not today. Today we won't put it on here. We're just going to go with his original... Well, seven books. Because he also wrote the novelization for Last Crusade. Yes. But I also just want to point out, because I love it. Staff of Kings, he was supposed to write it for the video game in like 2008-9. Yeah. Uh, that got cancelled. And then he just had it, and then he released it like an audiobook version. He read it on his podcast, or what you said. And then he published it as a PDF in 2023. Yeah. And that's the only... That's probably the last indie book we are ever going to get. We'll see. Yeah. But I, I would agree, at least at this time. We didn't get a novelization for Dial of Destiny. I'm glad we didn't, because I mean, yeah, the last but... couple movie novelizations that Star Wars got were horrendous um especially rise of skywalker i mean do you want to see leia do a no hand handstand that's that's like the only difference but should we start with last crusade yeah sure um last crusade is probably the best indiana jones novelization all four novelizations i think are very good Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is probably the best. I would put it. I kind of want to put it in Henry Jones Sr. Same. I think this is probably the strongest. I have a soft spot for Temple of Doom because I like James Khan mm-hmm. and, you know, his uh, style and what he does, expanding on the characters and the backstories. But Last Crusade, it has the advantage of, like, having Henry's, Henry Sr. in it. Like, yeah, that's, that's basically enough. And it has some jokes that Steven Spielberg cut out of the film that I think are pretty funny, like when Indy lost his pants in mm. the the fight on the tank. <laughs> and he has to ju- he's just wearing a dead man's pants <laughs> the last bit. Um, let's see. So do we want to move to Peril Adelphi then? Sure, we can. Or, or do you want to do the other two novel, the other three novelizations, since we both read them? I mean, yeah, sure. If you can rank them, um... Raiders. Well, we can we we can do we'll do Raiders. Yeah. I I'm pretty lukewarm on Raiders. I just reread it, and I think it's pretty solid. It's solid as, as a book. Um, it it gives me there's some ick things in it that that have not aged well with um, Marion being underage 
which was a George Lucas decision. And I'm trying not to factor that in, but there's some weird things when Indy's like looking at Marion's like, she's a woman now. Yeah, that scene. That, that bothers me. The hat, he canonically he uses the, the hat and the whip. But he and the whip. Which makes sense if you look at this as just the stand this standalone adventure story <laughs> where he's he gets like stripped down by the end, he loses all of his gear, which is kind of cool, but obviously doesn't work in the wider canon. Do we want to put it in mud or do we want to bump it to short round? I kind of want to put it in mud. It's like middle of it, it's good. I would recommend it for sure, but th there is better. Yeah. Yeah, we'll throw that in. Mud. Uh, Temple of Doom by James Caan. Now, I for really enjoyed this one. For being an Indiana Jones book, there is very little of Indy's perspective on anything in it. Hmm. With that being said, Short Round's perspective is wonderful. Yep. It has some really freaky deleted scenes in it. The whole Indy, after he drinks the blood of Kali, is real fascinating to read. Um, I remember when uh, Willie touches his back and it's been bleed, it's bloody, and he's like out of it. Mm. That's a freaky scene. Um, yeah, I put it in a uh, short round. Yeah. Uh, now we move on to Peril at Delphi, the most divisive book. Yeah. So, so the big thing with Peril at Delphi, and I, I. I, I said this in my review. You need to read this as a young Indiana Jones book more so than an Indiana Jones book because he's still learning things. He's not even ar an archaeology major in Peril at Delphi. Um, and he's seduced by his teacher. And she's very villainous. And it's a it's really weird. The whole Omphalos. And he has the, the visions in it. Um, I'd put... Do we want to put it down at Mutt, though? I don't know. Or should we bump it to short round? I, I would bump it to short round. Okay, let's go there. So the next is Dance of Giants. Which is way over... There, okay. Dance of Giants, I think, is significantly better, yeah, than Peril Delphi. But at the same time, I wouldn't put it in a Henry Jones Senior. Hmm. Um, I think it's great. We get Deidre Campbell in it, who's a good indie love interest. At least we in get this the interesting plot with uh, the her... Stonehenge. Yeah, Stonehenge and the villain. Yeah, and the druids and stuff, and then it the first appearance of Merlin, a recurring guest character. Yeah, um, I, I still kind of want to put it in short round though. Mm -hmm. I agree. I would put it before Peril at Delphi. Yeah. Um. So next would be Seven Veils. Seven Veils, this is when Indy gets married the first time. Um, I do did not like Seven Veils. Yeah. It's too out there. I know that this is Rob McGregor's favorite. 
Is this? Um, he, yeah, this is the one he really enjoyed because I think you got in, Indy gets married in it, which is something he wanted to do. Um, the Lost City of Z seems to be a thing that he really likes, but I'd put it in mud. Same. It, it's too weird. I mean, I had problems with it from a structure standpoint because the villains just really suck in this and they get yeah. like taken out almost like off page. And when they're it's in weird. the seven, it took the interior world to explain kind of what happened in the seven veils. It took a different book to ex because I was deeply confused for like the last third of this book. Hmm. Um, it's got some fun stuff in it, but like, eh, yeah, it's 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 a mutt. Uh, next is Genesis Deluge, which I personally would put in Henry Jones Senior tier. Absolutely, this is uh, one of the best. It, it, it's the first one of these Rob McGregor books, aside from the novelization, of course. That it's like it's indie. It's Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. Um, and I think partly it has to do with they're going. He's going after Noah's Ark. We get uh, Jack Shannon's in this, which Jack Shannon is a recurring character. And this is when Jack Shannon gets um, religious, which is an interesting foil for Indy. Um, also, the fight with oh gosh, which which American gangster was it that they? Oh, Al Capone. It's Al Capone punches. Al Capone punches in Indy in the face in this book, <laughs> um, and also it deals with the Bolshevik uprising. And I just like the history of that. So yeah, definitely Henry Jones Senior tier. Mm -hmm. uh, next would be Unicorn's Legacy. Um, oh, this Unicorn is difficult. That this one's weird. Well, the the love interest Mara, her family's relationship with the alicorn horn also unicorn's horn is interesting i like the native american like medicine man oh yeah and it's in this book when indy is like on drugs or something and he has like yeah, an out-of-body yeah. experience and he yeah, wakes he, up naked on a car yeah he gets the peyote some peyote um the villain's kind of interesting, although the ending is very rushed and weird. Yeah, the ending feels tacked on in a way. Because it feels like the main adventure is over, but then you have like 60 pages left. You know what it feels like? It feels like Diamonds Are Forever, the Fleming book. When mm -hmm. Bond gets in... it's I can't remember if it's a plane or a helicopter and just guns down the, the, the diamond smugglers in Africa. It's just weird. <laughs> but yeah, I put it... I don't want to put it in mud. I think it has enough good stuff that I would put it in short round. Yeah. Then finally we get to Indiana Jones in the interior world, which is incredible. That goes straight at the top. It does. And it is, it is one of the weirdest licensed books I think I have ever read. But it is probably the most engaging of any of these books. I'm uh, still not sure what the interior world truly is. If it's I, the same I, as the Hollow Earth, but I think that's the point. Mm -hmm. 
it, it, it ties everything in together. I know that Rob McGregor was done at this point. They were going to replace him with Martin Caden, which I have not read his books, but I have not heard good things mm-hmm. about them. I know that Sky Pirates is an Ocean's Eleven ripoff. Well, it's kind of like the plot of Watchmen. We can talk about it because I'm going to rank the rest of those alone, if you allow. Uh, sure. But with, with Interior World, it really feels like an ending because all of his, all of McGregor's books are set in like the, the 1920s. 20s. So Interior World is 1929, and in this one, he's already setting up Hitler and the Nazis. Yes. As like a threat in the future, which, yeah, that's pretty good. Well, we, what, why don't we rank... Well, why don't you do the Martin Caden ones? Since, okay, since the next we're... one would be uh, Indiana Jones and the Sky Pirates, which, as you can see, it looks like the Crystal Star cover. And I have certain things that I can talk about with this. This was written as a a novelization to a supplement for the Indiana Jones West End Games RPG. Hmm. And that's probably why it's so funky. It is very bad. Okay, so the story, it's basically Watchmen, like Alan Moore's Watchmen. Because the, the villain's plot, it's kind of interesting. If this was set 20 years later, and it, were, and it was starring James Bond, it would still be boring, but it would make more sense. Indy is just working for the government. He's not doing any archaeology stuff or any artifacts or MacGuffins, nothing. The plot is some rich billionaires have realized, oh, there is inevitably, there's going to be a World War II. And to prevent World War II from happening, uh, they they build a giant spaceship UFO type of thing. And they are attacking different cities. And they want to make it look like there's an alien invasion to unite the world with a common, you know, goal and a common enemy. What? Yeah, that's the plot. That I mean, that'd be an interesting plot and something that wasn't called Indiana Jones. Yes. And I think the only archaeology stuff is like, it doesn't even make sense. I don't remember how it ties in. But it's like Indy created some fake artifact that the villains stole. It's, yeah, this goes into Dial of Destiny. And it's boring because it's just Indy has to like learn how to fly. And, like, he spends a lot of time in airplanes and he brings together his own, like, suicide squad. Mm-hmm. And they are all relatively boring characters. There's a female character in here. She appears again in the next book by Caden. But, yeah, I don't think this worked at all. And the climax, that screwed me up. Because I was reading this and I was, like, on the last three pages. No, not even three pages. On the very last page... They was, there was still the fight scene going on on an airplane. And I'm like, is my book missing pages? And then it was just over. It, it was jarring. This is the worst ending. Like, we talk about indie endings being rushed. Oh, this yeah. This is the is... most rushed thing I've ever seen. Sounds like the ending of the Force Awakens novelization. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so next is the White Witch, which I know absolutely nothing about. The White Witch, Indy is teaming up with 
I think like it's kind of Native American woman who has like a magical sword and she wants revenge against some bad guy. And the bad guy is looking for like ancient gold from like public like civil war or something. Um yeah, and India is just like don't kill him, that's bad. Don't get vengeance, that's bad. And it's kind of more interesting than Sky Pirates. It has some archaeology. It also doesn't really have supernatural with like the main MacGuffin of like the treasure hunt, except this native woman has like a magical sword. And she has like armor that can heal her. And that's a whole weird thing. And then the love interest from the not really, she's like a female friend, but they are kind of flirty, which doesn't go anywhere. She's back. And she also gets an ending where she just leaves and never returns in any other story. So that's fun. Yeah, that's that's not the first time they've done that. They did that with what's her face in um Fate of Atlantis. It, I mean, at least she returns in Infernal Machine and Thunder in the Orient. Thunder in the Orient, though, is a prequel. Yeah, but at least they did something with her character. It's a prequel that makes no sense, mm-hmm. but it's a prequel. But yeah, White Witch, it's better. I will say that, but it's still not great. It's not on the top of my list that I would recommend to people. So what what's next? What's the first Max McCoy? Is that uh, Philosopher's Stone? Philosopher's Stone. The first time Indy goes after the Philosopher's Stone, which is a thing that's happened three times. Um, he goes after it in Iron Phoenix, which was the actual supposed to be sequel to Fate of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. That never and in won. the Marvel comics, he also does it. Yes, he does in the Marvel comics. I couldn't remember if it was the Marvel comics or the French comics. So he might have gone after the French comics, too. Oh, Jesus. I mean, you can retcon it because the sto- one of the stories already establishes, oh, there's more than one stone that can turn yes. stuff into gold. I'm sure James Lucino, you know, he could have fixed this. Yeah, instead he wrote the Matahara Affair, the only young Indiana Jones adult novelization. Mm-hmm. But Philosopher's Stone, this one had the most Indiana Jones feeling and pacing. Well, it brings Sala. And it also brings Sala in, yeah. Uh, I put next, this at the top. Next is Dinosaur Eggs, right? Yeah, this is allegedly the first meeting between Indy and Belloc, except it's not. It's so not. This has to be retconned a bit, but yeah. It's uh, fun. It also has um, What's-His-Face, who gets shot in Temple of Doom. Oh, I can't remember his name. And the gangster. That's all their first appearances in here, which is fun. And we already, this got established in Philosopher's Stone, but the plot that runs through all four Max McCoy books is the Crystal Skull. Yes. And and it's a weird plot element because Indy is like, he can't sleep with women anymore because he (laughs) has been cursed uh, by touching the Crystal Skull. And it's like everything you love will die. So if you love any woman, she will die. And that's why Indy has to get the crystal skull back so he can get laid. <laughs> Essentially. It's which fair. is fun. Yeah, I would also put this at the top. It's Plus it has a triceratops on it. Yeah, actual dinosaurs. Yeah, which there were dinosaurs in Interior World. We didn't bring that up. Mm. There's a dinosaur, there's a dragon, there's a giant... <laughs> 
Indy rides on the back of a unicorn at one point. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Best book ever written. Um, next is Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth is good, but I would say it's the weakest of the Max McCoy books. I really like the ending because it's Indy fighting skeletons, skeleton guardians, and the bad guy gets sucked into a wall. That's fun. That's like a Twin Peaks ending. Mm-hmm. I'm but I'm torn between short round and mud, but I'm I'm gonna say short round. I still think this is solid. So next is the Secret of the Sphinx, the big conclusion. Yes, and that one sets up in the end uh, the Temple of Doom. But oh no, I think it mentions like the peacock's eye. That's like the diamond thing, right? Yes, which it ties into the Young Indiana Jones show, which you're starting to watch. Oh yeah, you'll learn what the peacock's eye is. It's one of the. It was an episode they never finished, and so they actually made it into a made-for-TV movie, Hmm. and it's quite good. That's good to know. So, Secret of the Swings, again, it's fast-paced. I like that the bad guys are the Japanese. That It's Uh gruesome. Like, it's really brutal. It has some horrific stuff in it, which I enjoy. It has fun stuff, indie teaming up with a woman and her daughter who are, like, magicians. And it's fun. And Salah is back in here. We go to Egypt. We find it's about the Omega book. And how Indy defeats the bad guy is amazing. Can I kind of spoil it? Yeah. The plot is about the Omega book, which in it, 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 it's written down everything that has happened and will happen. And Indy is just like, the bad guy forces him to read it. So Indy reads the destiny of the bad guy. And he's like, you're going to die in 20 seconds. And then he does. (laughs) In the most horrific way, and it's amazing. But yeah, the ending is bizarre, because after the main story, Indy gets the crystal skull back, finally. Mm -hmm. And he returns it. And then he has, like, an out-of-body time-travel experience. Where he, like, sees, like, an ancient sacrifice ritual happening. And then he returns to college, and I think he talks to Albert Einstein about it. He's not named, but I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be him because Indy is asking like the nature of time and stuff. Uh-huh. Which makes me wonder if George Lucas got fascinated with that when writing Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, no, I wonder because this was the 90s. Wasn't it like already a thing for George Lucas where he was like, oh, crystal skulls are cool. I want to do something with that. Because I think McCoy may have been inspired by that. Yeah, I know he had a thing. He wanted aliens. Mm-hmm. He wanted aliens, and he wanted uh, Indy to team up with a child, with his daughter, who was oh, the yeah. woman that's established in the old Indy bookends in one of the Indiana mm-hmm. Jones, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles episodes. But Spielberg said no. <laughs> Yeah, because he thought, oh, that's too similar to Jurassic Park 2. Yeah. <laughs> so instead we got uh, Mutt. Yeah, yeah. So where would you put that? Are you going to put it in Henry Jones Sr.? 
I'm a bit I'm a bit torn, but overall it was so fun. I have to put it up here. All right. So what's next? Uh, next would be the eight German novels, then Army of the Dead. Have you read of Kings the... and No, not yet. I I'm waiting on that. Well, have you read Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? I haven't actually. Oh, okay. Then we'll, we'll say. I'm gonna reread the other two novelizations, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, and then I'm gonna read Crystal Skull as well. Okay, so we'll hold off then. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I first I want to write because we have the chronology project going on. I hadn't announced that yet. We can talk about that then. <laughs> I hadn't said anything then. Sure, <laughs> but my thing is just I want the other books to still be somewhat fresh in my mind. You know, to write the summaries and what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, do, do you want to talk about it then? Uh, you go ahead. Okay, we're Noah and I are writing an Indiana Jones chronology book. Essentially, we got really into in the last year reading these Indiana Jones novels and comics and what have you. Uh, but like, there are certain things that, like, so many philosopher stones stone adventures whether Dial of Destiny was going to be canon or not, because we didn't know. Um, and then talking about the times that he went after the Spear of Destiny. Like, it, it's just to make sense of things. Because um, James Lucino wrote an ultimate guide to Indy, but he really didn't... It, it's It's for kids, and it's fairly short. It has some stuff about the the comics and novels in there. Especially about the Dark Horse comics. Because mm -hmm. those were freshly getting reprinted when that came out. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we just want to, you know, show some love towards Indiana Jones because it doesn't get the love that Star Wars does. Yeah. Sadly. And it's a shame also because it is an expanded universe or expanded adventures as they branded it, mm -hmm. where all the stories are supposed to take place, you know, in one timeline. Yeah. So yeah, that's that that's that. That's and we will continue doing this later. And we may change some <laughs> things once I get into these other indie books. We may come back to this. So I would save this, Noah. All right. So we can we can talk about it later. Um, so let's get into what we're reading. Then um, Noah's not reading anything Lucas related right now. Still on the burnout. Yeah, he's been burnt out since fa the fall, basically. Since I finished my chronology project for Star Wars, it's just I, I I've done it. I've written down the entire history, like in-universe history. I'm done. Mm -hmm. That's and now I just got into indie. Yeah. Um, Dylan, what are you reading? Um, I'm trying to get through Republic. It's hard because uh, we talked about this before the show, but uh, early Republic is very Kiati Mundi heavy. And I really don't like the character of Keanu Moody. Yeah, it's either Keanu Moody or it's Quinlan Voss. Mm -hmm. yeah, no I don't mind Quinlan Voss as much. And I didn't mind um, uh, Out um, Outlander um, because it has Shared Head. And, you know, 
I, I have spoilers because I've read all of Legacy, so I know what happens with that storyline. But oh yeah, it was nice. It was nice meeting him finally, meeting young Shared Het. Yeah, and this is when the Jedi Masters have different lightsabers mm -hmm. because uh, Episode One hadn't come out yet, or Episode Two actually hadn't come out yet. That established everyone has red, or, uh, green, or yellow, or green or blue. Wow, I'm out of it today. Except for Mace Windu. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're reading Emissaries to Malastar right now? Or just finished? Yeah, I'm in the middle of it. Have you gotten to the Saboba part yet? No. Oh. Please rem remember, Matt Wilkins thinks that story gives Mace Windu a better character than Shatterpoint. Why? I don't know. I mean, it's referenced in Shatterpoint. You haven't gotten to that part yet. That they do talk about it, and uh, it gets talked about in Shatterpoint. My favorite part of Emissaries to Melister is um, how the story is just split apart. Like, it's basically two different stories. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It, have you... you? What's after... You haven't gotten to the Stark Hyperspace War yet. I think that's after. Yeah, I think that's after. I've done... That's I, the big... But where is Star Crash? The famous one-shot. I don't no. remember. There was like an it's Aura Singh one, I remember, randomly. Um, oh, yeah. Aura Singh's a character throughout this. There's going to be the hunt for Aura Singh. And then Council Acts of War has already happened as well. That was interesting. Yeah, that's a pre-Phantom Menace. That has Qui-Gon in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Acts of War. That was a miniseries. I actually enjoyed but that one. But it's basically a, a Republic spinoff. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if Republic was out yet. I think it came out before Republic was a comic. Yeah, but I, I just mean, like, generally, it it very much feels like it should be. Just yeah, because it came out, out of the work similar to much later, didn't it? Because, hmm? like, um, like, a lot of, like, uh, Prelude to Rebellion and um, uh, Outlander both came out before Phantom Menace, but I'm pretty sure Council Acts of War was well after Phantom Menace was when it came out. It may have been a year. I want to say, you know, it was probably 2000. Um, well, because the Phantom Menace tie-in stuff came out later. It's not like how it is today, because, like, I'm reading Cloak of Deception right now. Mm-hmm. That was like two years after Phantom Menace that, that came out. Mm -hmm. One of the two Phantom Menace tie-in books, which Shadowhunter came out around the same time. And they were like a year or two after. It was weird. Um, yeah, I love the Republic comics. You're going to love it more when you get into the Clone Wars. Yeah, that's what I'm... I've got the light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, I know Clone Wars stuff is good. Because I've read some of the... Off, um, some of like the highlights of Republic mm -hmm. already. May maybe it's my detriment, and the rest of it's going to be bad. But you know, no, because I read all the Clone Wars stuff first, and then went back, and it's it's fine. Yeah, uh, I look forward just... to my own reread of the comic series because I want to say the first half is underrated. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, with the except the Quinlan Voss stuff, I think gets the praise that it deserves. Yeah. But I'm uh, thinking of stuff like the other John Ostrander stuff that's in there, like the one with what's it called on Coruscant with Obi Wan and Anakin, and it has Honor the character and Honor and Duty, yeah, because it has Honor the character um, 
Simon Grayshade from the Marvel run. Yes. And it has an epilogue that takes place. It's one of the last Republic comics. Yeah. That's what, the old series really interconnected, which mm-hmm. is except for Star Crash. Yeah, well, Star Crash was a filler issue. If there ever was a filler issue, that should have been a tale story. Yeah, it feels like a tale story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, I finished Jedi Apprentice. Hmm. Um, the Threat Within might mm-hmm. be the best Jedi Apprentice book. Ooh. Um, it feels like the end. Because I'm thinking, because now, now I've reread this. I've read Jedi Quest, which, you know, that ends satisfying, but it's just sad. Uh, and then Last of the Jedi is just kind of ugh. shouldn't have been ten books. That that was my feeling with yeah, have you guys read The Last of the Jedi with yeah. Jim Watson's? No, I have not. Okay. It shouldn't have been ten books. Hmm. It should have been two. It should have been the two Obi-Wan stories. <laughs> the Ferris Olin thing. Uh, I I just never I never liked that. Um I don't know. Noah, what's your opinion on The Last of the Jedi? I think it's fine. It's not the best of her series, definitely, but you know, I mean, it's enjoyable. You like, you like that he knows who Darth Vader is at the end? Everybody knows. I hate that. Yeah. Doesn't Jax Pavan know who Darth Vader is? Yeah. I think Which... by the third book he learns it, or it's at least implied. I'm, I'm pretty sure he knows by The Last Jedi, but we should all ignore The Last Jedi. Which is worse, The Last Jedi or Last of the Jedi? The Last Jedi, because Last of the Jedi with uh, Ferris and stuff, it has interesting stuff and like world building for the Dark Times with like Inquisitors and uh, the ending of Jenna's and Arbor and stuff. And some yeah, of the surviving that is... Jedi, that's. She did finally end the Jenna's and Arbor thing. Mm-hmm. Which. I'll tell you what, that's one of the weak points of Jedi Apprentice, is how that trilogy ends. <laughs> oh, they all go to jail at the end. It's like two sentences. And, and then like, she breaks out during the Clone Wars. I thought she broke out in Jedi Quest. Oh, Jedi Quest is before, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Jedi Quest. Yeah, Jedi Quest, and then she breaks out again. She's arrested again, right? Or did she just escape? I can't remember. I know just she teams up with Granta Omega because he's the big baddie in Jedi Quest. Mm-hmm. And when she's there, you're like, oh, Obi-Wan, just murder her. She caused almost a galactic plague. <laughs> <laughs> she tortured your master for an entire book. Mm-hmm. Like, which that would never be put in a child's book today. Nope. The evil experiment with Qui-Gon and his weird bondage thing, which is not in the book. If there is one complaint to ha- be had with uh, Jedi Apprentice, it is the misleading covers. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, the only one 
that I can think of that is correct is the it, book 18, The Threat Within. It, it's a picture of them sparring. Which I was really worried. I'm like, oh, is this going to be shoehorning in lightsabers? Because there haven't been any in this book. And it is a little bit, but like it's a great scene of like Qui-Gon's realizing that Obi-Wan's becoming his equal. Which is really weird because I'm now reading Cloak of Deception, and they do not read the same uh Anakin and not uh Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan do not read the same as they did in Jedi Apprentice. Hmm. Like Qui-Gon's a, like more stern. I don't know if he's just getting surly with age, but it's just, it's weird. Um, have you guys read Cloak of Deception? Yeah, obviously. Yes. I don't remember much about it. And I remember it being, I, I've said this before, but it's my controversial opinion. I think it's the weakest of the Lucino books. No, everyone thinks that but me. Really? Yeah. I have I, not heard that. I don't think it's the weakest. I think um, Millennium well, Falcon I, was weaker. I, I've never read Millennium Falcon. That's mm. like the one I haven't, haven't read because I know the ending is just going into Fate of the Jedi. Yeah, and it's weirdly shoehorned in. Yeah, one of, one of the guys on my server actually did a re-edit where he just removed all of the Denningverse connections. Of course, which which is a better read, but I still like how in the actual book you can tell Lucino was so fed up. Yeah. Like he, he was annoyed that he probably had to like address all this stuff. Yeah. Did he write Millennium Falcon or before or after Darth Plagueis? Uh, before, because before. Plagueis was his last. In Legends, at least. That's true. Yeah, because that Tarkin book was supposed to be Legends. Because it brings up Plagueis mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, Tarkin is the weakest. Yes. Yes, Tarkin is by far the weakest. It's weird. It's a really weird book. I mean, Tarkin had also had to have last-minute updates because of the canon shift. But still, yeah. still, it's biz- it's deeply bizarre. I mean, it's, it's just kind up- of boring. But I think if it was Legends, it would have been more interesting just because he would sprinkle in more continuity yeah. and create more like. Not even just, oh, there's a reference, so that makes it better. But he could have worked in, like, I don't know, Dala, or maybe Akbar as yeah. a slave. Oh, Dala would have definitely been... The- if Dala was in Death Star, yeah. then she would have been in Tarkin. Yeah, and you could have done some nice scenes there, but... Even bring in Lady Tarkin. Oh, definitely. The one or bring misstep- up his dead son. Uh, yeah, the the one misstep Michael Reeves had with Death Star. Was not bringing up Lady Tarkin, like that. That that is bizarre because that's like the the whole thing with Dala and Tarkin is the she's his mistress. Yeah, I mean they do make a point of you know keeping that secret, but the fact that he's married isn't mentioned sadly at all. You'd think it would, because like in, in Death Star, like everyone assumes. That that's happening, you know. They just know Tarkin is a playboy. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, uh, but like, it's, it's sort of his power that, like, I always attributed that to that's just how powerful Tarkin was, that, like, Dala was, like, an open secret, but no one dared mention or question it, because if they did, he had the power to make them not exist anymore, you know? Well, if it were the new canon, he'd get in a knife fight with them. <laughs> oh. Which, oh, that's man. something that Lucino brings up in, in Tarkin. It's, like, the weird brutality... And like psycho nature, although he doesn't go all out like the the Marvel comics did. He rather he like he's still like cunning and stuff like he was in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I like how that book also tried to make him like a tactical genius because to me that just felt like oh we need a new Fron. Yes, you know, that before was... they brought Fron back. Yeah, that was yeah. But uh, Catalyst, I think, is a weaker novel than Cloak of Deception. Yeah. It was good when I read it, but I don't yeah, remember it, anything about it. So well, It's the building of the Death Star. But we and, already have Death why, Star. Well, no, it is like how the Geonosians were involved and stuff. Mm. And it, it just ties, it ties TCW and Rogue One together. That's its point. And why... Krennic is going after Galen Erso in the beginning of Rogue One. Because mm. they are the two characters. And, it, and just like it's another perspective of um of uh I can't remember. Oh, the Clone Wars. It's Galen Erso uh, and uh, Orson Krennic's perspective. Because Galen Erso's a, a prisoner of the Separatists in the beginning, mm -hmm. and then Order sixty six happens, and can we address uh, this comment quick? Because I have a question. Which one? Uh, the last one. Okay. Okay. Um, what do you think of Dala? Because, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you know what happens to her later in the timeline. I know what happens. Yeah. And I know what happens in Hand of Thrawn 45's uh, Sword of the Jedi trilogy when a bunch of geriatric Mandalorians managed to steal the Chimera uh. for Dala because it had to be the Chimera because fan service. Out of all the characters in Bantam, Dala. It's weird. Uh, yeah. How is the Chimera still around? It, it, it is It is part of a space museum in Andathron 45's books. Didn't it... it... Wasn't it destroyed during the Battle of... Um, uh, Bastion in the Force Heretic trilogy. I think it just got damaged. I think at least that's the retcon because I remember that in Legacy of the Force they said, Oh, the Chimera, how can that be? That ship was destroyed. And it's like, No, it was just damaged, and Pelion had it hidden somewhere. Like, as backup. Even though in New Jedi Order he's like, uh, He doesn't have any emotional attachment to the ship itself. Yeah, it's just. But. Now he does, apparently. 
Because reference. Because remember this? It, of course the Chimera needs to be there. It's Pelion's ship. It's the Star Destroyer. What is Vader's Star Destroyer called? The one from Empire and, and Jedi? What is that Arts one? with an I, I remember. It's something simple. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. It's it the Empire it's, funnily enough, the Empire ship names are very British in that they're like just like impressive sounding words. It's not the vengeance. No. It's not And I think it has a different name in New Canon. Because that one's destroyed. That one's destroyed in Return of the Jedi. It, it somehow gets really close to the second Death Star, even mm. though those Star Destroyers were not near the second Death Star. It's not the Annihilator. It's not. It's Devastator. Close. Devastator. Yeah. Yeah. That Devastator. Is that one? It, yeah. It crashes onto the face of the second Death Star. After an A-wing pilot kamikazes it, that was the executor. That was the superstar destroyer. The superstar destroyer. That's what I meant. Oh, I thought you were talking about the normal star destroyer he had. Oh, the one from A New Hope. I yeah, heard. yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. Because obviously, his flagship was the executor once they once it mm -hmm. was finished. Which and in and so of itself is a super weapon that no one ever talks about. Well, they had like a dozen executors. So the the Empire did. They just hid them. They hid all but the executor for some reason. Isn't there one that's in Rogue Squad? Not the fourth Rogue Squadron book that's just under Coruscant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Luzantia. Spoilers Which, for Rogue Squadron. <laughs> that might be the dumbest plot point Michael Stackpole ever wrote. That yeah, I like how it's implied in the book that Palpatine either created a force illusion so no one would notice that he buried a giant starship in the middle in the middle of the city, or he just murdered all witnesses. But hey, mm -hmm. it, it 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 was so popular that it ended up being a bunch of them coming out of a planet in uh, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> so like, it he even mentions in. Um, Kratos trap Ooh. when it leaves. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Yes. That's a hot take. That is not a hot take. It really isn't. Well, Geeks Attic hates Michael Stackpole. Mm. Based on... I don't think it's necessarily based unless you say I Jedi. I Jedi might be one of the worst retcon books ever written that wasn't written by Troy Denning. I mean, I appreciate so, it just because the Jedi Academy deserves it. I, I... Noah's not going to have a lot of context for this, uh, but just to, just to kind of illustrate how batshit that like is, the executor is the, the size of Manhattan Island. Yes. That... He, so it it buried under the city, which again he either had a force illusion that 
Manhattan Island is like the entirety of like, or 90% of New York City is like on that, the island of Manhattan, right? So the this superstar destroyer is the size of New York City. He had to displace to build it the, the population of New York City, apparently. And more than that, because Coruscant has like hundreds of layers of city that people are living on yeah. top of each other. So probably like 10 or 15 times the population of New York City got either displaced or were murdered just so the executor, the Lusankia, could be built into the city and then rebuilt over that and then rehoused over that. And then all those people were again killed when Lusankia shot out and went to space uh, when Dala made her exit. And he did that all in like... When, when, was, the, when was the Superstar Destroyers it, finished? It, like zero, year zero. Yes, year zero, year one. So he did that in like a year. Um, well, it's not Dala. It's uh, Isard. Isard. Yeah. Isard, yeah. Um, or Isard, yeah, sorry. I missed Well, not to mention, you know how many weird things are in the Undercity? You remember that giant beetle and Shadowhunter? Mm -hmm. There's like a dark Jedi down there reaping havoc forever. There's, rag there's a Raggle Plague down there somewhere. As we learned in KOTOR. That probably never got solved because who's going to go down there and, and kill them all? There's one on Coruscant? I thought that was on Terrace. I thought it was in there was one on Coruscant, too. Oh. I don't know. The, yeah, no, the Undercity's a nightmare place. You don't go there. Yeah. Uh, but you park a star... Uh, a, you park a 19-kilometer-long Star Destroyer there. For some reason, and what I mean, people just live on the Star Destroyer forever. Like that's so weird. That's always weirded me out. Like it just doesn't make any sense. I want to ask because I don't remember. Did he build it in like park it down there like in this? No, upwards. No, it's flat. It's horizontal. That, that's even dumber. Because it rises up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's it's it. it it's horizontal. Huh. It, it it would have had to be because unless they un, unless <laughs> okay, unless all of the, the shipbuilding capacity of quad drive yards got moved to Coruscant <laughs> so that they could actually build it in place in the undercity for some reason. What if Palpatine just claimed hey we're doing it like a rehousing project? It's gonna look great by the end. Well the undercity, okay. they would just kill everyone. This that, is, that's this is logical the ship. because this no is the one ship, would... right this is the nose this is the engine so it couldn't have been it couldn't have been straight up because they would have had to back it in for it to be engine side down for it to blast up or they had to have it go front ways in and then somehow it managed to back itself up even though its engines it doesn't have forward engines so it had to have been flat unless they got a star killer clone to lower it in with the force <laughs> I mean, they have a couple, couple dozen of them. Are there? I don't think there are any left by that point. We don't know what happened to the Dark Apprentice at the end of the second game. Well, the Dark Apprentice doesn't even show up in the canon version. That's only in the if you do the Dark Side ending. Plus, the Star Killer clones, except for the one that you play as, have like a, a shelf life of like a couple days. Is what what they say. Then they go so crazy. Keep producing and fresh crazy. Yeah. 
So you've got to you got to hatch a star a star killer clone, fly it from uh, hyperspace Camino. it all the way from Camino to Cor to the to Coruscant, get it to get it to, get it to move the super star destroyer in place all before it goes crazy, and then kill it, and then uh, get get the uh, memory wiper things from um, Men in Black for all of the people that you just displaced to do that, or. You just get uh, Dorsk skd one. Remember at the end of Dark Saber. It wouldn't... Okay. In it in the defense of that, at least it killed him. At least it yeah. showed the power of that by being like, "Yeah, you can do this, but you'll die if you try it." Right. Mm. Or I mean, Palpatine could have had a Sparty clone that he controlled a Star Killer. There could be a Sparty cloning cylinder. That they took from Wayland and then put back on Wayland. I like how we're just coming up with the most convoluted backstory just because of this well, stupid this plot point. Easy, it, there is no simple answer for this. It doesn't make any sense. It, Wasn't there? It, I think there was also like a fan theory. What if he just built this the Super Star Destroyer already inside Coruscant? No, there's no way. There's no not not that big. It's not possible. So the star just this is the thing. Star destroyers are are somewhat modular. There's like it's how they are able to produce so many of them. Like the the command tower of the star destroyers and the energy shield, those are modular parts that they like actually build and assemble <laughs> onto like the actual star dis you don't build a star destroyer from the ground up. You build parts of it from the ground up, but then you you have other parts of the ship that are built in other planets that are shipped to Quat so that they can piece like the actual Star Destroyer together and assemble it. Okay? You can't just build a Star Destroyer, especially a Super Star Destroyer, an Executor class, from the ground up on Coruscant without any of the logistical or 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 machinery that they have on Quat. It had to be built on Quat or Fondor. Yeah. Those are the only two shipyards that had the capacity to build those two ships. I also like how the damage that this caused is never mentioned again. Yes, it's just casually... Yeah, several uh, million people died. Well, here's the deal with Coruscant. No one actually gives two shits about the people on Coruscant. <laughs> I like how in the Jedi Academy trilogy, Kevin makes a point out of like, oh, Dark Empire, yeah, that really screwed the planet up. So we uh -huh. have to like rebuild it with like these wall-y... Robots. Well, let's talk Which... about when the Sith invaded in Fall of the Sith Empire. That's never brought up again. I, I had this idea of a story about someone who was like born like the Mandalorians invade. No, no, no. Um, someone who oh, is no. born a decade oh, or no. so before the Clone Wars and lives through lives on Coruscant through all of the Clone Wars, all of the Dark Time stuff, and like where every single time. Like all all the way through New Jedi Order and Fate of the Jedi, and every single time Coruscant is invaded or destroyed or something massive happened, like this person is like directly and like <laughs> affected by it. Just like the worst luck of having to live through every single invasion or, well, or they, disaster or catastrophe on Coruscant. Would they have lived through the Vong invading Coruscant? You find a way, I guess, because apparently they rebuilt Coruscant in the ten years between uh, uh, Unifying Force and um, this. Uh, the Swarm War, right? Is the first? Part? No, that's five years. 
Five years. I'm sorry. Five. Even years, though at yeah. the end, at the end of Unifying Force, they're like, "Oh, that's gonna take a couple hundred years before we make this planet." Livable and that, again. that's why John Ostrander like has like the best vision for Coruscant in the Legacy comic, where it's like partly Vong terraformed and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like, all gone in the Denningverse, except in like the Undercity. You can still see it, mm-hmm. but nothing on the surface. I'm gonna have an aneurysm. They rebuilt the Jedi Temple for some reason. Yeah, I don't. I've never understood that. Oh, it's so terrible. Just because remember the prequels, and I, I swear to God, there is a contradiction where it's like there are two Jedi temples on accident. I, I swear to God, that's the thing because they say they got a, a new one built in darkness, and then they also say, oh, we got the old Jedi Temple rebuilt. And it's worded so because Troy Denning is a shitty writer. But I think there are two Jedi temples now, and it's never addressed on Coruscant. No, I just came up with the worst author duo for a book: Troy Denning and Richard Chisma. Oh God! It's just, it's just a Saba Saba teen <laughs> solo book, and, and and Gwendy, you know, shows up. It, it happens when she save it, it, she gets shot into space to save the dark tower. Ugh. It's a teaming up with Saba Sabatine, your favorite character. Horrible. Who would win in a fight, Saba Sabatine or Gwendy? From uh, the classic Stephen King series, Gwendy's uh, button box. Oh god, it's horrible. Saba would win because she also defeated Abeloth. But didn't she eat the head of the Jedi Order? Uh, yeah, she killed no. him in a fight on accident, kind of. Yeah, he like, got crushed in like the door. I I want to say because like the 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 it's been like a, almost a decade since I last read Fate of the Jedi, so I might be hazy on the details. But basically, like. <laughs> <laughs> that is a cursed title if there ever know, was one. Gwendy <laughs> Okay, so like they wanted the a bunch of Jedi stealth exes were like gonna leave illegally to like help fight Abeloth or something. Mm-hmm. And Kent was like, no, I need to stop this. So he was trying to like close like the the, the blast door for like where they were launching from, and Saba was trying to stop him. And like uh, it eventually le- ended in like him uh, falling to his death and, and like having like the doors close him or something. Yeah. And he was willing. He was going full dark side and ready to murder yeah. Saba. And then they're just like, "Oh my god, what the pressure did to him as, mm. as being the Jedi Grandmaster." Well, that's because they picked a rando. Luke picked a rando, and probably the worst decision Luke's ever made. He made many terrible decisions in the Denny. Well, universe. okay. Uh, this is partially the fault of the writers, right? But the way they wrote the rest of the Jedi Council, there was no correct answer for who leads the council after Luke goes. Yeah, because they're all terrible. The entire Denningverse, it's like, no, the Jedi Order is completely incompetent. If Luke Not only the incompetent, they're all old. The yeah. only one who has any sort of hope is Ben, but he's like way too young. Yeah. Here's the, here's the problem with what... After New Jedi Order, 
you need to introduce young characters and keep them. Mm-hmm. No, you're just gonna kill all the young characters. Because, like, we don't in... need Aura Singh at the age of two thousand years old coming back to talk about giving okay. Boba Fett a swirly or some nonsense. I have, give, I have to give credit to Meg on this one, but when uh, when Kyle Katarn goes to fight Jason, and for some reason brings along Balin Horn and like another Padawan with him. Uh, even though they would be, they're essentially that's a suicide mission to bring Padawans to fight Jason at that point in in the timeline, right? Anyway, one of them is a female Bothan, and she doesn't die in that fight; she just gets knocked out, right? And then Fate of the Jedi happens, and there's another female Bothan that actually becomes like a somewhat relevant character that's around the same age, but it's a different female Bothan. Why not just use the 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 old character so that you go? Oh yeah, I remember her. She tried to fight Jason and, and lost because because they forgot did... this character exists. Yes, they forgot that's, that they murdered. They they forgot that they murdered Cam Solusa in Inferno. So of course they're forgetting characters. Cam didn't die. They just mutilated they... them. Yeah. So from what I understand, in Inferno itself, it just says Cam was like shot and he was lying there, and it didn't establish if he was dead. And then in one of the Jaden core books, Jaden is thinking of all the Jedi who died, and he's thinking of Cam. And then Cam is just back in Fate of the Jedi with no explanation. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, he was fine after all. But then again, Jaden core is in a clone of Jaden core By the end of it, yeah. Which, at least those books are good. Those are... Those are, are you going to argue with me that those aren't good? The cross cord and the Riptide books? Uh, Jeremy's frozen. <laughs> nice. Not again. <laughs> okay, it's fine now. You're back. Do you not like cross cord and Riptide, Noah? No, I like them. Okay. They're deeply strange books, and I love them for that. Yeah, yeah. I like how they, they have it... They have an out to... They introduced an out. I don't know if they would take it that way. But they introduced an out to the problem of why does Luke know about Krayt but doesn't do anything to it in what they do with Jaden Kor's character. Yeah, and then Troy Denning does nothing with that. Well, he didn't get a chance to because they canceled it. It's not entirely on him. Let's be honest, he still wouldn't have done anything. I, I know. But I like to... I like to dream, man. <laughs> man. Super Stony's a villain for allowing that to just continue. <laughs> so, so much of that. I mean, a whole series ruined. Half a series somewhat ruined. So I don't think Fate of the Jedi is a complete lost cause. Just but the, the second half is really, really, really bad. Yeah, Apocalypse is about 200 pages too long. It's like 600 pages and 500 of which are just a fight on Coruscant. And that's not... you know, I'm not overestimating. That's literally how that book is structured. That just feels like um, Order 66, where Karen Travis suddenly says that the Siege of Coruscant was like days long. Do you, do you all remember that? Mm-hmm. That was probably the dumbest thing that literally everyone else ignored. It's like a day. 
right? Siege of Corazon. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. day. It's a it's a sneak attack, so they can can't. Uh, yeah, that was that was the point of it. It was Palpatine. a quick get in, grab Palpatine, get out, and and again because the strategic brilliance of that was they had so many like they had so many flashpoints all throughout the outer rim, so that all of the Republic fleet was out in the outer rim dealing with all of that, and then they do a massive attack in the core while all the ships are out. They go in. Grab Palpatine, get out before all the all the reinforcements from the outer rim can get in. That doesn't make sense if it's, if the battle happens over the course of days, because by then all those ships are going to come back for redeployment, and the separatists are going to be screwed. Which I guess you might argue makes sense because in the end Palpatine wants the Republic to win, so he wants the separatists to lose badly so that they don't have that much, so he can mop them up later. But it's so. But why would the separatist leaders? as stupid as they are, agree to that plan. Why would Grievous, who is actually a competent general before TCW came around, um, agree to that plan? He wouldn't have. And all the Jedi are gone. It's the same thing with when Anakin storms the temple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of of the... Most of the good masters are, are... out of the war, out in the war, dead by that point. The highest ranking master left in the temple is Shock T. And, and then who's under her? The Blade Master? Yeah. Um, the, that's it. It's mostly Padawans, mostly younglings. Yeah, Padawans and the, the knights that, the knights and masters that aren't like combatively capable. And, and if, if they were, they'd be out fighting the war. If we count TCW, the temple guards, but there aren't that many of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was shocked that Dave Filoni didn't put Order 66 episodes into the last season of TCW so he could show off his temple guards. But Ahsoka was the clear, like, we have to, we have to show where Ahsoka goes. Even though she ultimately doesn't matter. Well, actually, she is the most important character in all of Star Wars. She's going to defeat Thrawn. She's going to defeat Rey. I'm waiting for that movie. We get. She's going to pee in the New Jedi Order movie. It's going to be Rey versus Ahsoka. God, how old would she have to be? In the New Jedi Order movie? 80s. Probably be in her 80s. Um, well, no, no, because Force Awakens is 30 years after. It's like darkness time. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been 50 years since Clone Wars when she's 18 at the end of Clone Wars, right? Or 17 at the end of Clone Wars. Yes. So she would be 67. Yeah. She'd be old for Tegruda. Yeah, because I think Jagurta's lived till 80. Yeah, I think that's their average age. We've, yeah. Ahsoka Ahsoka would win. It'd be the most awkward, awfully choreographed fight scene ever put in Star Wars. They would cut away from it at least seven times to to show other stuff. Well, we we didn't talk about the Ahsoka show on here because I don't want to, but I will bring up this one point. Rosie O'Dawson is not. I, she's in good shape, don't get me wrong, but she does not like the lightsaber duel. 
Does Ahsoka actually fight in that show? Because from what yes. I've heard, because I also don't care, but from what I've heard, she mostly does this. <laughs> oh no, she fights. She fights uh, Ray Stevenson. Hmm. And she fights Hayden Christensen. Who's actually like putting a lot into it. <laughs> and it's really <laughs> noticeable that she's not. She fights a okay. few people. But mostly Sabine, the, the most worthless character Dave Filoni has ever come created. Actually, I don't know. That's a that's a very high bar. He's made a lot of terrible characters. Well, the worst, uh, worst worthless character he still uses. That's a tough one because Bo-Katan, I consider an absolute worthless character. And then suddenly she's the main character of the Mandalorian series. So I don't know. Do you remember when... Dylan, do you even remember who Bo-Katan is? Vaguely. She's the I ginger in Death Watch. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who's now a, a protagonist for... I've never understood that character change. She was straight up villainous. <laughs> for like three seasons. No, oh, man. Like, this just reminds me I have to read the Dark Disciple novel after my Republic Comics reread. Oh, you don't need to read that. I, I, I know it's going to be terrible, but I want to. It's also the because they're going to contradict that with uh, that new season of Bad Batch or whatever. Oh, uh, Ventress I, isn't dead. Is it confirmed that she's not dead? I don't think it's confirmed, but I, I don't know any other solution. Because people have said, oh, maybe it's a flashback. I don't know. Why is the Bad Batch still on? I didn't know it was still on until that controversy happened, you know. What what controversy? With Vent Ventress, you know, being in the trailer. Oh. Uh, uh, does she have hair? I think so. Okay. We're going for the emo look again. Mm -hmm. I hate it. I hate it so much. But isn't it so tragic and dramatic and deep how she fell in love with Quinlan Boss and sacrificed herself? To bring him back to the light. Uh, Imagine reading the Clone Wars multimedia project and then, with no further context, Dark Disciple. And see the butchering of Ventress and Quinlan. I'm trying to... Ventress's end in Obsession was just perfect. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, uh, Dirge's was fun, but like a bit rushed. I mean, there was no other way you could have killed him, realistically speaking. <laughs> I remember when I remember being shocked <laughs> at that. But I, I remember see Ventress with her robot eye, which is either Dooku just wanted to make her into a cyborg, or she lost an eye, she got it blown out when Anakin electrocuted her with all those wires mm. in a duel. Didn't I say that was one of the best Star Wars duels of all time, Dylan? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So I, th I think it is. It's so brutal. 
it's what I wish the uh, Yavin 4 duel was, even though the Yavin 4 duel is still pretty great. But, yeah, anyway, we're running out of steam here. I mean, is there anything else really important that we have to cover? In terms of, like, I don't think there's any more Star Wars news. No. I mean, there's all this stuff that comes... We kind of missed this, but the uh, the stuff of Filoni getting more and more creative executive control. I intentionally avoided that because I don't ever want to talk about him again. <laughs> I'm dead Let's serious. just say every Legends fan's worst nightmare has come true. No, 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 no. You don't understand. This is actually... I've, I've come around to this. I'm a Filoni accelerationist. Okay? <laughs> I... <laughs> I want him to have more control because I know this type of storytelling he's capable of. And I know this type of storytelling people want to see. And I know he's not capable of that. I want him to get them to give him more and more creative power. So he just does more and more felony things. And more and more people are wake, wake up to what we've been saying for years about felony. I think it's slowly happening already. Yeah, but they still back TCW. Of course they do, because they grew up with it. Oh, this yeah. reminds me, have you seen the quotes by Timothy Zahn? When he was asked about if he helped writing for Thrawn in, like, uh, the Ahsoka show? No, I didn't see the... He, he was like, no, I, I know nothing about Thrawn in that show, I just watched it like the rest of you. And then he's like, uh, he was fine... You know, he was just getting things in motion, but I hope in season two he really shows off what he's capable of. I hope there's a season two. Oh, man. Zahn. When was the last time he wrote a good book? Survivor's Quest. <laughs> was Survivor's Quest before or after Outbound Flight? Before. Because Outbound Flight, it's like half a good book and half... Outbound yeah. Flight's an excellent book. What are you talking about? I don't like the Obi-Wan Anakin, like the old setup thing. It's... Oh, fair enough, I guess. But, yeah. like, in my opinion, I think Outbound Flight's his best book. Hmm. Uh, at least his best standalone book. It's better than... Allegiance. Better than Scoundrels, I agree. Oh, yeah. Scoundrels and... Uh, which one's better, Scoundrels or Sky Pirates? Ooh, they're Ooh. similar. Ooh, I, okay. In that case, scoundrels. Ooh, damn! I was hoping you wouldn't say that because that's the one I'm reading next. <laughs> the Indiana Jones books. Scoundrels is horrific. I know, but Sky Pirates that did nothing for me. That's probably in my top five most irritated EU books I've ever read. Hmm. It's freaking scoundrels. It was shocking. I remember at the time, I was like, why is this being written? If you want to read a good version of Scoundrels, read his short story, Winner Lose All, which is just oh, yeah, no. Lando. I read that. I read that when it came out, and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Why are Han and Chewie in it? Because it was supposed to be a Han and Chewie. That would have made Scoundrels so much better if Han and Chewie aren't in it at all and it's just yeah. a Lando book. Exactly. That's why it's so frustrating. Ugh. It makes no sense having Han and Chewbacca in it. 
Plus, we at the same time we got Honor Among Thieves, or it was like within two years. Mm-hmm. Honor Among Thieves is a better book. Yeah. Although it has a very weird continuity error. Mm-hmm. The no gray thing. Yeah. It was the last book. They didn't care. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. But I speaking have... of maybe reading Dark Disciple, the only other new canon book I would also maybe read, just to get it over with, for on Treason. Oh, have you never read Treason? No, I gave up after Thrawn Alliances with all the double vision. Uh, it's better than Thrawn Alliances, but it's it's still bad. Hmm. Uh, Eli Vanto's in it again. Okay, I know he has like a love story with female chis. Oh, Aralani? It, it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, and they fight a not using Vong force. Hmm. And it ends with a terribly shoehorned Rebels tie-in. Because it happens... Thrawn disappears mid-season four, and that's what he's... And he shows up at the very end. Hmm. And it's to explain where he's been. And it doesn't work at all. My god. But yeah, I I still have, like, flashbacks from Thrawn alliances. It's, It's so horrible. It is yeah, that is Zahn's worst book. It's not just his worst book, it's one of the worst Star Wars books I've ever read. I think I dislike it more than Aftermath, in all honesty. It's well we hold Zahn to a higher standard than Chuck Wendig. Uh I don't No Alphabet Squadron I think is worse than Thrawn Alliances. Ooh. Yeah. And that's Alexander Freed. Oh, yes, it is. But it's Alexander Freed when he's first forced to write diversity nonsense. God damn it. Because I remember really enjoying Twilight Company. Oh, yeah. No, Alphabet Squadron's not anything like Twilight Company. Um, Shame. Or was it Resistance Reborn? That's a horror book. The Poe Dameron Finn team-up book. Although Finn's not allowed to do anything. And Ray's in it for two seconds to have one blaster fight, as well as Rose Tico. They do nothing. Um, oh, yeah, and it's to explain where uh, Snap Wexley, or as I like to call him, Fat Wedge, has been. And then it says Wedge and uh, Nora Wexley won't be in Rise of Skywalker, and that there are, they are in there. That was great funny. continuity. I I think I when Wedge shows up <laughs> in Rise of Skywalker, I laughed so hard just because that's what the author of Resistance Reborn wanted to do, and they Disney said no, and then they did it anyway. <laughs> Probably because they didn't know if they could even get him. Right? Yeah. Well, he had said he didn't want to do anything Star Wars ever again. Yes, exactly. And you can tell from how he looks. He Oh, it's, it's so embarrassing bad. seeing like old man wedge in his old pilot outfit. And he's Just... not even flying anything. He's the gunner on the the Millennium Falcon for 2 seconds. Mm-hmm. 
I have only seen that movie once, and it might. Some something I have to give to X Wing Mercy Kill. Again, I like that book. Wedges in retirement in that one. Yeah, and, and he wrote like his autobiography and stuff, and he's just enjoying. You know, that's how it should be. That's how all these EU characters should be. They should be retired, mm-hmm. except for maybe Luke. But Luke should just be doing like a Yoda thing and taking a back seat. Mm-hmm. You know, weighing in on council decisions. Like that's but what we I have mean. established the council is terrible and useless. Mm-hmm. Corrin and Kip fight like little children. Kalkatan is apparently there, but he does nothing. Kyle and then Katan. the rest doesn't matter. I guess Silgal is yeah. on there, but Yeah, Silgal is just there to like well, every Leia's time on get... the council and she does. Is she? Fuck all. Yeah. Is just th- there to be like, we should bring back the old no attachment order. That that's all she does, and like is the healer, I guess. Where did that come from? I don't know, but it's like a again, thing that she has Denning, in the Denningverse. It's just it's all the prequels again. Visually, aesthetically, with the characters, how they think, how they act. That made me so mad in Fury because uh, this one female Padawan is talking to Luke and she's like I'm so grateful I was accepted into the order, even though I was like above the age limit. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Like, she was 14, but Luke was like, we only take small children. Just like the old order, you know? Yeah, just like the older. Yeah, just like when I started and like I had like a guy in his 50s learn to be a Jedi. And I even trusted that guy with the order for like, well, I went uh, with uh, with some lady I just barely met because she said she knew who my mother was. <laughs> Gosh, the Black Fleet crisis is so terrible. <laughs> Basically, it was on a Legends podcast where I was like, oh yeah, I like this plot line for Black Fleet crisis, and Dylan's like, no, that's Corellian trilogy. <laughs> and thus, I'm like, oh, I don't like the Black Fleet crisis at all. Like, it's really easy to get the Bantam books mixed up. I mean, they're <laughs> They're pretty similar on Raw. Honestly. Some of them are. Yeah. Early early in mid Bantam is. Late Bantam starts actually um honestly is a lot better than early in mid Bantam. Well Shadow of the Empire on. Kind of sense. I think Bantam knew that it had to change, but it didn't change enough. That's why we got Vector Prime. Which is a great book. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the best new Jedi Order book, Noah? Unifying Force. Yeah, that's the correct answer. What's the worst new Jedi Order book? Stop by stop. No question. I was going to say Boba Fett, a practical man, but that's technically that's not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I could have said, "Oh, invasion." <laughs> yeah, because there's again, there's two New Jedi Orders, right? There's like the New Jedi Order that was written at the time of like 1999 to 2003, and then there's like the New Jedi Order after that. Practical Man and Invasion is like the post New Jedi Order, New Jedi Order. It's not mm-hmm. the real one that actually happened when it was all coming out together and they could actually bounce and reference each other off. But dude, okay, Boba Fett Practical Man established. It was the Mandalorians all along. They are the only reason they won the war. And it showed they they worked with the Jedi, even though the Jedi are douchebags. Right, and they worked with one Jedi who died. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I love killing Geonosians. <laughs> this, this is um, Karen Travis. She loves killing I think Geonosians. And but she... I love that it gave us the, the famous Vajir quote. Uh, the Mandalorians are the third side of a two-sided blade with the Jedi and the Sith. Because that's great writing. That's just... <laughs> I wonder how upset Karen Travis got when she discovered that there was a Darksaber that Dave Filoni created, a Mandalorian Jedi that forged a lightsaber and a lightsaber controlled the Mandalorians. I wonder how mad she got when she discovered that. It was the because it was always the mask, the the mask of Mandalore, at least in the Kotor uh, verse, was always what like how they determined who was Mandalore, and they kind of got away from that. But it was still like a like it wasn't the, a weapon, a Jedi weapon. It was a Mandalorian artifact that was Mandalorian. Like, like even in the, <laughs> even even Drew Carbish understood this because he had like he had Revan and Candorus go on a quest. To find Mandalore's mask so he could be Mandalore again. It's like the only enjoyable part of Revan. Next yeah, to the Scourge chapters, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what Scourge does at the end is the most wonderful thing. <laughs> so, my dad, my dad called me after he finished Revan. He's like, What did I just read? He's like, Jeremy, these. I don't know what you see about these Star Wars books because the other Star Wars book he read, Dawn of the Jedi Into the Void. He's reading Shadowpoint, right? I love giving updates to my dad's Star Wars reading. I asked him about the the approaching storm, and he's like, oh, I don't remember it. Honestly, fair. There's one memorable scene in that whole book. Jeremy froze again. He was so <laughs> in a very great so flabbergasted. He was so flabbergasted by me praising the approaching storm that he froze. His internet decided, no, we can't let that stand. Fantastic. Oh man. But speaking of the old Republic novels, Annihilation, the best one. And also, I'm convinced after researching for my chronology. Farron Shan is like the only good character in all of Swotor. He has the best. He has the best book, the best comic, the best short story. So yeah, as far as I'm concerned, there's a Farron Shan comic. Oh yeah, uh, the Lost Sons. I don't remember that one. Yeah, it w- it was the third wo- third one by Alexander Freed. It was like the only one they put out. Uh, directly via Dark Horse because the previous two were like online things. Yeah, I remember. I remember reading one Swator comic that like sucked. It was so forgettable. I forgot what it was called, but it was so dumb and forgettable. Yeah, those first two were really terrible. It's so I guess we, can't we just get back and we can't end the stream. <laughs> I know we just have to continue. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad it's not me this time with the technical issues. <laughs> For a long time in Legends podcast history, it was always me with the bad internet. Mm. Oh man, but that's great. So in other news for books, uh, next I'm going to read a Jules Byrne novel. Mm. I don't know what the English title is, you know, Around the World in 80 Days. 
that one. Okay. That's going to be fun. I I'm think just it, trying that, to read. That is the English title, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because I'm reading uh, good books, some classic books, and something fascinating Vonda McIntyre, an hmm. original novel by the famous Crystal Star author. Hmm. Because it got praised by fucking Frank Herbert, of all people. Author of Dune. So. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't think we got what Jeremy was reading. We have to guess. Um, <laughs> he has a stack. I don't know if you guys saw it, but I, I saw it like almost immediately when I jumped on. He he, His bookshelf is three deep. He has books three la layers deep, like stacked like in front of each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just like, how? <laughs> I feel bad that some of my shelves are have partial have parts of them that are too deep. And I'm just like, oh, I need to get on that. But no, he has some 3D. Oh, yeah, Pico, good. But was it praised by Brian Herbert? Oh, Dylan, have you seen that amazing picture of Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson? No. That they did for Dune? Wait, I'm going to uh, tag you in the Discord because that picture is hilarious. And we edited it because... Okay. Uh, it looks like a cover for a CD or something. Okay, check here. Yeah, okay, we, Pico, you did. But I suggested what you do. Ah. Oh, sense of Dune. <laughs> Kevin's face on that is amazing. Yeah. He has a very consistent hairstyle. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say, but it's like... Yeah, what you missed in there, because I think Kevin Hate is becoming stronger than Denning Hate on my server for some reason. Interesting. Because for some reason, everybody decided, okay, we got to read the Jedi Academy trilogy for the first time. And they all think it's terrible. Same with Darksaber. And now... Young Jedi Knights. Which I was kind of surprised by. I wonder, because... Have they read uh, Tales of the Jedi yet? Some of them may have. I'm not sure. Mm. I wonder but if I think it's agreed Tales of the Jedi is good. Yeah. I wonder if that would sway their... Because, I don't know, maybe he just, he's just better at writing comics. But then again, I thought that about... Um, John Jackson Miller until Kenobi came out. Hmm. I mean, the only comics he wrote were Tales of the Jedi, where he had Tom Veach as a co-author, then he had Veach's notes, and for Redemption, we say he worked alone, but he actually worked on it intensely with uh, What's-His-Face. I think it's the artist. Hmm. Gossette or something like that. So for most of his good stuff, he did have a co-author or a person looking over it. But he also had Rebecca Massetta for Young Jedi Knights. And yeah. Rebecca was good with Junior Jedi Knights. Yeah. And that's interesting because I've heard she wrote the character stuff 
in Young Jedi Knights, at least most of it. And Kevin just did the action, hmm. which, I mean, makes sense. Oh, I think that was Jeremy. My internet provider is having an outage. Well, we can't end this stream without you. Fantastic. This is the this is a wonderful Legends pod. This is like uh longtime viewers will know this. There was a Legends podcast where again, because it was always my internet issues that like uh, back when you're using Google Hangouts, it was always me that would drop. So we had a disconnect and like it looked like I had dropped from like uh because of how Google Hangouts works, it looked like I had dropped from the call. So like I immediately went silent and started like uh and started like fiddling with it to try to get it to back back up for like 20 minutes. And then like I realized, oh wait, no, Jeremy dropped. I've just been on stream radio silence for 20 minutes. And I think and I think that that's I don't know if he edited that one or not, but I think it's still up there. If you, uh, I can't remember which one that was, but it was so funny. He says stall, lol. Okay, what can we stall about? Um, hmm. Hmm. What haven't we talked about in a while? Star Wars. What are some other dead horses we can beat? Oh, Marcel, Jeremy had an internet outage. And, His uh, internet we're... died, and now we are stuck here because we can't end the stream. <laughs> <laughs> I love when that happens. Okay, Pico, um, Dan likes Tales of the Jedi, but he's worried about rereading it because he knows Kevin now. Yeah, um, Golden Age of the Sith and Fall of the Sith Empire suck. I stand by that, and he definitely won't enjoy rereading those. The rest, solid. Yeah, those are the prequels, right? The uh, yeah, the, the prequels he wrote later on yeah. before he did Redemption. Yeah, I, I agree. It's when I think Tales of the Jedi, I think Nomi Sunrider Illico drama, like that yeah. whole arc, the Veach stuff. Yeah, the Veach stuff. <laughs> because oh like... my god, the characters in the in in those prequels are so bad and annoying, mm -hmm. and the comic doesn't know. That's that's mm -hmm. the worst thing. What's the name? Jory Darragon, the female one. Yeah, the the Dar the the Darragon, uh, siblings. Yeah, they're, they're the only ones other than like the Sith that I remember. And that woman is so terrible. She she escapes from like uh, what was it, the Princess Tita planet or whatever. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ! Sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> no worries. We're talking about Tales of the Jedi. Yeah, we were oh. ranting about how terrible the prequels are for Tales of the Jedi. Oh, are you talking about the Omnibus and the Dawn of the Jedi? Or are you talking no, we're talking about, about uh, Golden Age and Fall of the Sith Empire. Yeah, they're not great. Those characters are terrible. The female one, I think Jory Darragon, that, that's her. Um, mm -hmm. She's so terrible. When she escapes from her home planet, she murders like uh, the security force there. And then she has the adventure in uh, the Sith Kingdom and whatever, and she returns. And she's like, I gotta warn everybody, the Sith exists. I gotta warn you guys. And they immediately arrest her because of her legit crimes. And she's like crying, why are you doing this to me? My brother is in danger. I have to warn you. Doesn't the Sith attack die? anyway? Yep. Uh, don't, do they both die? I mean, they clearly... 
Uh, he I'm... sacrifices himself because apparently he fell to the dark side or whatever, even though that's not well communicated. Yeah, he's not even force sensitive, I don't think. Yeah, he's just learning under Naga Sadao, and I guess he's turning slightly evil or corrupted, but we don't see it. He's just hanging out with him. He's like, okay, I guess I'm gonna stay here or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's a great ending. Redemption's a great ending. Yeah. We were just talking about how in my server the Kevin hate is overtaking the Denning hate. Oh my gosh. And I was asking if, like, well, have they read Tales of the Jedi? Because that's his best work. Uh, have but they... people also said Young Jedi Knights is his best work, and the two people currently reading Young Jedi Knights hate it. So... Interesting. Uh, you need to have more Karen Miller hate. Yeah. But there is only so much to hate from her. I, there's, like, a... I, I've talked about this, I think, in, like... Like <laughs> red tails. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. <laughs> but it's like it's different with like the authors that are more prolific and bad. Like I think an author that has like one work, one notable work that's bad, is a lot more forgivable. Than an author that has like five or ten works and most of them are bad, you know? Mm -hmm. Do people hate Greg Bear? I don't know. I think people, I think he's like a forgotten author that's like. Because yeah. like Matthew and Adam both hate Planet of, not Planet of Twilight, uh, Rogue Planet. Planet. Rogue Planet. Interesting. And I'm like, oh, it's a new Jedi Order tie in, so it's not going to make any sense i mean uh reading in chronological order uh, it's like but it's not uh, just about sense it's about the book being very boring yeah it is. realistically speaking you can read all of new jedi order not having read rogue planet and still yep. like not it, it's not required for new you could jedi also order. just read rogue planet as a standalone because those NGO connections are just uh, nice extras. Like mm -hmm. the main story still works. And, stuff. and it's probably, now I think about it, it's probably better to not have read Rogue Planet going into New Jedi Order because it makes it makes the Force Heretic trilogy, which is probably, uh, I know you said Star by Star is the worst, but I, I actually think it's Force Heretic. Every plotline in Force Heretic that isn't Naminor's um, uh, cult of uh, the Shamed Ones is incredibly boring. <laughs> But at least I like the Tahiri plot. I guess. Was, and I mean, no. it was at least nice to get some closure on like the Yevita yeah. and the Sea Rook. Yeah. And then I don't remember what the enemy in the third book was, like what they did. Something. I, I can't some... remember either. I, I only remember they, uh, the stuff on Scylla and the Nominor plot, which was the A plot. And unfortunately immediately in the next book just gets completely under the rug because oh wait i can get my old job back and i i just have to betray all these people which is the most nominal thing to do but it was still mm -hmm. frustrating yeah but then it gets, it gets great payoff in unifying force yeah 
Uh, oh, good question. Do you guys think most of Zahn's work is bad? If you're counting... Well, I haven't read if, new canon. I mean, if I count new canon, then yes, the majority is bad. Mm -hmm. Because Thrawn Trilogy is decent, Hand of Thrawn is decent, Survivor's Quest is decent, but already a little bit okay-ish. Then Outbound Flight, for me, is mixed. I hate Allegiance, I hate Choices of One, I hate Scoundrels, I hate Thrawn, I hate Thrawn Alliances. Um, Marjade by the Emperor's Hand? That's just, eh, at most. It's it's kind of boring, so yeah, that's also not good. Mist Encounter? I think Mist Encounter was fine, but like Crisis of Faith, uh, the short story that's supposed to be set right before the Thrawn trilogy, but Thrawn is like the anti-hero Thrawn and not villain mm -hmm. Thrawn like he originally was. Yeah. I like all of his Clone Wars short stories for the Insider. Okay. Where he was setting up... He sets up just about everything except for uh, Sabaoth's clone. Hmm. But, like, the Sparty cloning cylinders are explained. Like, that stuff's explained. Because that is always... That weirded me out when I... Because I read the Thrawn trilogy for the first time myself after the prequels came out and i'm like they're cloning these people in like a day they're like instantly growing people and they just don't have brains is that is that what the clone wars were originally meant to be and it's like no no this is like a weird experiment thing mm -hmm. if you want mindless drones um but yeah talking oh you just reminded me with like ideas of the or original Clone Wars. I'm looking forward to rereading the uh, Siege of Seleucami arc of Republic. Hmm. Because that actually has a uh, clone army versus clone army. Hmm. There are, like, I think people don't realize that there are other clones other than the Jango Fett clones made on Kamino. Hmm. And, like, clones are a thing in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. I would yeah, say... Camino, Camino is even referenced in... I were not going to have to care in Travis novels how, like... Um, because they, like... I remember... No, it was Plagueis when they're meeting with the clones because they originally wanted to clone the Yin Shore because they have, like, force resistance. And mm -hmm. they're just like, yeah, that's not going to work. Uh, if you... Um, but in our experience, um, humans are like easier to clone. Um, so if you can find like a human, uh, that would be probably better. And that's how they end up getting Django Fett. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I I always there's that weird clone army in at the end of Republic comics that last that second to last Quinlan Voss story. Yeah, the Morgukai army. Yeah, that that's a weird thing. That's fun. I think that was Ostrander going like, this is what we imagined growing up without the prequels, what the Clone Wars would look like. Yeah, because that, that was what kind of Lucasfilm alluded to in the 80s. Because mm -hmm. they had the trading cards, which feature... Have you seen those with the weird concept art? I, I saw some of them like uh, a group of Yodas worshipping a Yoda statue or like the original Padme and... And, and, then, and the, the, the twins are little kids. Mm -hmm. Which 
That's that's just a weird, a whole weird thing that Lucas changed that. Because like the Bantam stuff kind of references that too. Ooh, this is a fun question. Do you think if the EU was still going, uh, they would have done a second Clone War? Like there was a second Galactic Civil War. If Troy Denning was still in charge, absolutely. Or even Abel Gipenia, because he was trying to make the um, Alpha Prime storyline canon. Remember from that? The Battlefront series? Oh no, from uh, the old Kenner toy line. They wanted to do a story after Return of the Jedi with a bad guy called Alpha Prime, who was like one of the designers of the Clone Wars. And he would attack the galaxy with his clone army. He had like a clone of Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. And Abel Gipinia was trying to make him canon with his Skywalker's novella, which he is. The character Sita uh, Magnus is Alpha Prime. You and could, he was setting it up slowly. You could technically call the Thrawn campaign the second Clone Wars. Because yeah. by the end of it, he was used. his army was mainly clones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he was even cloning uh, Force users, as we learn in the Jaden Core duology. Mm-hmm. And cloning, uh, uh, oh shoot, Jag's father, who I can't remember the name of for some reason. Warn? No, Jag, uh, fell. Soon, oh, oh yes, sorry. he he established sleeper cells. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then they decided to be farmers instead. My, f- my favorite part of the, the of uh, the Hand of Thrawn duology was when they find all the sleeper cells, and they're just like, yeah, we know we're sleeper cells, but uh, we just like a, a life of farming instead, so we're just going to keep farming on this backwater planet. <laughs> Even if we get called up, we're just going to keep farming. The and then they are they never mentioned the again. Farms. Yeah, they're never mentioned again. <laughs> just like, a, oh, okay, there's there's Slinter Fell clones on this random backwater planet farming, I guess. That's so, so weird to think about. There's so many like fells, like the bloodline, just mm-hmm. because of all these clones. I just I just had a thought. No. Um because you know everything Bantam got brought up in New Jedi Order, right? Mm-hmm. The weapons depot on Wayland. Is that brought up? I think they destroyed it, did they not? Wayland in usually order, it's like uh, they are moving the Nogri there. Mm-hmm. I thought the weapons depot got destroyed at the end of um... Last Command. Yeah, I can't remember because I know part of it does because they uh, um, Sabaoth blows up all the Islamari. Yeah, and they blew up the uh, the the pyramid temple that they're that they they hit them in. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. And in Hand of Thrawn, in the rubble, they find uh, the information about the Borfans helping with the destruction of Kamas. And I think they found the Sith, Book of the Sith, that uh, source book. They also mm-hmm. found that one on Wayland, I think. Hmm. It's, it's weird. It's weird. It's just like... With Bantam, it was like, oh, this is what Palpatine was really doing. Like, every time. Mm-hmm. Right. His 100 pet projects. 
And then in, in, and then in New Jedi Order, they're like, wait, but what if there was a second eye of Palpatine? Because, because people have two eyes. I'm so glad that went nowhere, by the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. Star Wars. Star Wars is something special. Mm -hmm. just, just how it is. But I mean, we at least no one in the Denning verse was dying of space shellfish poisoning yet. <laughs> oh what what if Taria Damson showed up in Sword of the Jedi? That would have been incredible. She's just like in a space wheelchair because of her a hover chair. <laughs> yeah, she's like in like Yoda's little hover chair. Good I'm so oh. glad uh, CJ Gambit got never incorporated into anything else. Oh my god. You know Karen Miller was trying too. Because mm -hmm. like that, especially Siege. I'm surprised because Karen Miller wrote one short story in the Denning verse. She wrote the prequel short story for Mercy Kill. Which is actually decent. But I'm surprised she didn't make any reference to her Clone Wars shit. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she thought it was too long ago. Hmm. That didn't stop anyone else. Fine editions, Abeloth came back in her body. <laughs> it's like a desperation thing. Uh, like, Abeloth can barely move. She's the dagger of Mortis. <laughs> she really matters. Oh, man. Obi-Wan love interests. They get worse every time they introduce a new one. Mm-hmm. Except uh, Aniline from Kenobi, but that's uh, kind that's of doesn't count. Bear, uh, yeah, yeah I they never... never do anything. It's just like it's completely one sided because mm -hmm. he's not interested in her at all. Yeah, that's why it works. Um, the yeah, I don't even the Siri one. I go back and forth on that because Siri is such a pain in the ass in Jedi Apprentice. Oh my god. Uh, Dylan, have you read Jedi Apprentice? I have not. Okay. S when Siri's introduced, she she barely has anything to do. She shows up in book 7 the captive temple because they're in the temple and she like has no respect for Obi-Wan cuz he left the order for a while and he just came back. But they end up on this planet. I can't remember what that planet's called. It's the one where all the people are a little force sensitive and they, they have visions of what's implied to be the Death Star, even though it makes no fucking sense. It, it would be the Death Star is going to come and destroy them. I think it was the galaxy gun was tested on their planet. Because we, we know what planets were the Death Star lasers were tested on, right? Like, the Death Star confirms those. Mm -hmm. There aren't any others. Um, so I think it was another Palpatine super weapon was tested on their planet, and they were just having visions of it. But Siri just keeps getting Obi-Wan in trouble. Like, that whole book, and she's like, 
can't be undercover and she's just a horse's ass the whole time. And I'm just like, Siri, shut up. I know you don't. It, 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 it. Oh, speaking of which, Siri just popped up because I told Siri to shut up. <laughs> My phone. <laughs> Classic. Oh, man. Yeah, and then she, like, disappears for a while and just randomly shows up with Obi-Wan again in uh, the, during the Clone Wars. Uh, she's in Jedi Quest, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, she's big in Jedi Quest, yeah. Yeah, she's in Jedi Quest. She dies in Secrets of the Jedi. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it was. Spoilers, everyone. Siri gets killed. Which is mentioned in Kenobi. <clears throat> Which is a, a great book, Secrets of the Jedi. So obviously Matt Wilkins hates it. Does mm-hmm. he hate Secrets of the Jedi? On his reread, he really came to dislike it. Why? Matt, ask him. He also doesn't like Redemption anymore. The Tales of the Jedi comic. How? I've not seen that review. How? He thinks it's unnecessary. He thinks... Uh, what was it? The Sith War was a better ending, and we don't have to check in with the old characters. He says unironically while defending the Denningverse, which stuck around with the old characters for way too long. He isn't like Firestorm? That's like a legit great short story by Kevin. Oh, I thought you were saying Wildstorm. He's a big fan of Wildstorm mm. comics because he's it's his era mm. of trash comics. Yeah, the two best things Kevin wrote that even Kevin haters like, Matt Wilkins, the biggest Kevin fan, hates. Now he's going to say he doesn't like Bane of the Sith either. It contradicts the novel. <laughs> It doesn't really. <laughs> He's going to say Jedi versus Sith is better than Path of Destruction. <laughs> because it came first? Yes. Th- that's how it should Probably. have been. I can't believe Drew disrespected the comic like that. He's like, you know... I mean, to be fair, I have seen uh, one moron actually saying uh, I hate the legacy comics because they ruin what Fate of the Jedi set up. What? Yeah. <laughs> People don't look at publishing dates. Uh. Why why is there no Abelov? Like what is this? Why is there no mention? Cuz they dealt it's uh, it's been a 100 years. They probably dealt with her by then. But where's the lost tribe? It doesn't make any sense. The lost tribe there shouldn't be any lost tribe left after Luke got his hands on them. What a joke of a faction, honestly. How many have I told you this? What we know, what the real reason was with the lost tribe. Denning wanted to use the one Sith. Yeah. And Delray or Lucasfilm said no. And so they created the lost tribe as a compromise. There's such a non factor. Luke and Ben, after Luke has been like beyond shadows for like a week straight and is like malnourished and sweating, take on a dozen of them and kill all but two because the, with ease, with uh, ease, that's not even the worst. The Alana Zolo, who is literally nine years old, 
murders a dozen of them with her blaster. There is not even there a is, lightsaber. She shoots them dead. She's nine years old. There is one named Jedi that is actually killed by the Lost Tribe in the entirety of Fate of the Jedi. One. <laughs> Luke was, lost half of the Order during New Jedi Order. The, the Lost Tribe killed one Jedi. Who died? Uh, Basil, what I wanted to say his name was? Ba oh, Al Alana's friend? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. He's the only named character. He's in his discount Ganner's last stand. Yeah, discount Ganner's last stand. He's the only one <laughs> that the Lost Tribe manages to kill. They, The Jedi give up the Republic to the Lost Tribe and like, and and then re-infiltrate <laughs> Coruscant. And there's and like 2,000 Sith on Coruscant. And the Jedi take them out with ease. Without a single loss. And the Sith, they were too busy doing stuff like their Alex Jones podcast, where they're like, Luke Skywalker, the Jedi Grandmaster, was a, was a spice smuggler. It, it was all a drug cartel, the entire Jedi Order. And after all of this, the end of Apocalypse has the gall to be like, we need to find Kesh, because the Lost Tribe are a problem. We need to deal with them. No, you don't. They are. And Kesh was completely fucked up by Adolov. She destroyed the main capital. <laughs> and killed, like, millions more. And again, no sense of scale or anything because we don't know how much of a threat the Lost Tribe still is, mm -hmm. how many are still out there. Yeah, because thousands of them were killed in the, in the war uh, with the Jedi. How many yeah. are left, honestly? And Kesh really? also got completely destroyed, like the main city, so... Yeah, because that's one thing Hand of Thrawn 45 brings over from the Denningverse. Is that Luke just is like declares war? Do you remember that in that first book? That Luke just straight up tells the Jedi Council, "We're gonna wipe them up out of the galaxy." See, I I would buy that Luke would do that, but I don't think it would take that long. <laughs> the realistically speaking, as soon as they find Cash, that's it. The Lost Drive is done. They're they're exterminated mm -hmm. in less than a year. It is a it might be the first time in history where someone says the boys will be home by Christmas and they were actually right. They'll be home by life day. By life day, yeah. <laughs> Boy, what a horrible fact. But yeah, better watch out. Sort of the Jedi, they would have featured as main villains again, probably. Yeah. And Jaina would play second fiddle to everyone else. Even though it's her book. Oh, I'm sorry, a trilogy of books. There was actually one book. Which, to be fair, they only announced one book. But they only announced the first book of the trilogy. So it's like both are right. Mm -hmm. Oh. No. No, I don't. I just, ugh. It's so. I'm so thankful that if the EU continued, we would have no super stony. This is who we blame for this. Maybe we could have gotten rid of Denning after Sue left. You know. Maybe. Because I think she was the one having him like hang around because he wrote quick. And she yeah. 
Yeah. And you can tell. Mm-hmm. We just needed new authors, but at the same time, the new authors we have gotten in the new canon... The... Well, they're not science fiction authors. That's the problem with them. Yeah, they just get YA authors. Well, are there any real science fiction authors anymore? Well, they, they tried with, of all things, the Empire and Rebellion books. They got James S.A. Corey from The Expanse and Martha Wells, who had her own successful uh, little robot series going on. And they gave them just, here, write fluff. Write something that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Well, write something that ties into a potential idea we have of just rebooting. Mm -hmm. Oh, by... yeah, Martha Wells. She has, she had to yeah, read that was... Brian Wood's Star Wars comics. Again, that contradict. was another thing about, like, the if the EU continued kind of, like, um, like, thought experiment. You have to realize the last three to four years of EU publishing was done under the assumption that everything was about to get rebooted. Mm. So an EU continued with, like, you have to not, you have to rewrite everything you have to like recontextualize everything post 2011 to to you know mm. i would go further and say 2008 i don't that, think they were in full reboot mode yet oh no but that's when the fuckery began that's that's definitely when the fuckery began but i don't know if they were fully in the this is gonna get reboot booted soon can I just can we just stop it at 2005 when Dark Nest came out? Just prevent that from happening as well. Oh, was that 2005? I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, it would have had to be because Legacy of the Force came out in 2006. What I like if on my server they found a quote by Sue Rostoni or someone saying like, "Oh, there's no plans for anything after New Jedi Order," because that was supposed to be the end point. And then they were like, "Ah, eh, it sells." Yeah. Let's do nine books this time. Mm -hmm. That was that's just insane. At least in Legacy of the Force of Defense, at least it had enough story for that that the nine books made sense. Eh. But then it didn't use the space. Like we talk about this, the Second Galactic Civil War is a non-existent conflict. Well, I know, but that's more of the incompetence of the writers. Yeah, it should have it's been not like Fate of the Jedi, where the where the main villain isn't even introduced until about halfway through because they probably let's be real. They were, they were probably writing uh fade the Jedi as they were coming out. Oh, mm. it's like what the Disney writing motto don't have a plan. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. We haven't, I miss Jude Watson. Yeah. I miss Alex Wheeler. Me too. I miss um, John Whitman. Mm -hmm. I wish we could have gotten his fairy tales uh, series. Yeah. Who would, who, who would you want to continue the EU, like, author-wise? We're continuing the post-Jedi story. That's the thing. Most of the old authors we would want are dead. So, I, obviously, James Lucino. Well, he's Matthew retired, though. Yeah, he, exactly. Or Matthew Stover, but he said he doesn't give a damn, essentially. Well, he, he was open to it when we talked to him at LegendsCon. Was he? he? Also, oh, okay. 
Then I'm but just he also was up. like, someone asked him the question of, hey, under the table, if like, uh, you know, fan fiction, would you? And he's just like, I don't know if I can. And that, that was more of like the legal thing of like, of it. Okay. But he was open to it because I would love to see him be like, hey, man, all right, crucible to legacy. Make it make sense. Go. He really was open for that. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Well, wasn't the one they were going to try to contract to finish Karen Travis's commando books? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he had health issues around the time that got that it got delayed, and then everything got decanonized. Health issues was that an excuse? Like, did he read Karen's books? Like in preparation, and he was like, it made him sick. I don't know. I unfortunately, the, the legacy of the Force post exists, so you couldn't do this. But I honestly think the best way to end that series would have been to have they get found out on Mandalore and just have an epic last stand. Hmm. I mean, that's kind of what Hand of Thrawn forty five alludes to that. In his thing, I keep bringing his up because it's just the most baffling thing that people like that. But um, do, do you remember this, Noah, when they're like, oh, yeah, Darman went crazy and led the stormtroopers to Mandalore and we had to kill him? Vaguely, yeah, but I, I don't care. Yeah, I don't I don't know. But, but her, yeah. her note said Core was the one. That was going to turn them in, and then Cal had to kill him. Yeah, I don't. Because he was one of like the 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 Sparty Fresh Bash ones. Mm -hmm. John Jackson Miller, I think uh, he did like a Reddit like AMA, and he was like, um, "No, I'm I'm fine being like specialized in one area, which was like the Old Republic stuff." Mm -hmm. And I think that's. Yeah. That's perfectly fine to I mean, stay now in your rights pre Phantom Menace stuff. He just has a yeah. Has that book dropped yet? I don't know if it has. Been. I don't know either. I don't keep up with the canon releases anymore. I, think, I, I, I don't think so. I think it's uh, coming out at some point soon. It's the one everyone's excited for. Mm -hmm. This is an actual Star Wars author. Oh, but what about uh, uh, the return of what's his face? Steve Barnes with his uh, not Shutterpoint. Oh, I didn't know. The Glass Abyss. That's the title. It's coming out. It's a Mace Windu novel. Oh. By Steve oh, Barnes. And the cynical part of me knows exactly why that's happening. I mean, one, because uh, Mace Windu is still popular, I guess. But also, I know why they picked Steve Barnes. I want to be wrong, but I can guess why. You know the reason? No. I know. Yeah? I because, yeah. Well, there is a Mace Windu novel called Shatterpoint, but it's written by a white man. Oh, Steve Barnes not white. Yeah, he's, he's, he's black, which I also didn't know for the longest time, but learning that, I hope I'm wrong. And they got him for his like writing ability, but it's Disney, so. What's Steve Barnes write? The Cessus Deception That's... and the Hive, which I think That's... the Hive is better than Cessus Deception. 
Test of Deception is the one where we have our first clone love story, right? Yeah. Pre Karen yeah. Trevis. Yeah, which was bad. And with someone who actually knew Django Fett and dated Django Fett for a while. And then she falls in love with one of his clones, who is an art trooper. Okay. It's Doesn't also the she one say he's like a brother of Django, which uh, at most he's a son. Yeah. And it's that's it's also the one that has Count Dooku on the cover who never shows up in the book once. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an early Ventress appearance, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, Kit Fisto. It's a yep. novel Kit Fisto gets. And yeah. Obi-Wan's a negotiator. Like, he's a diplomat more than like a mm -hmm. general. Yeah, but it's they sent him to an op that's like, oh yeah, raise the local militia to 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 overthrow the separatists for for some. When that's like, Obi Wan's just there because Obi Wan would sell the book. But realistically speaking, Kit Fisto should have been the only Jedi in that assignment. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. But I like I like I like how the Disney canon it's it's like a poetry at rhymes type of thing with all their books mirroring the EU, but badly. Yeah. You want Shatterpoint? We got Glass Abyss. You want the Front Trilogy? We got Aftermath. You want X-Wing? We have Alphabet Squadron. You want Bounty Hunter Wars? We got Phasma. No, they got War of the Bounty Hunters in the comics. Oh, well, that's the grip on the Bounty Hunter Wars comic. Hmm. Um, what's the... Oh, you want X-Wing comics? We have Poe Dameron. And oh, that's that that's probably the best. The only thing I know about the Poe Dameron comic is that one panel where he's like fighting a giant kaiju. Hey, you know, I'll tell you, the Poe Dameron comic was actually had effort put into it, so you know. Well, that was early. Um, no, that I'll tell you what they weren't putting effort in from the beginning. I mean, Luke and Vader fight in Star Wars number two. Number two, oh, that's indeed. right. The oh the legendary can rant when you quit uh, reading canon because of that first time I quit reading canon first of many yeah I have not touched anything canon since the rise of Skywalker actually that's, that's not true I I watched the Obi Wan series and wished I hadn't. Hmm. My dad watches all those and I I just like why. And he was like trying to defend season three of The Mandalorian. I'm like, Dad, how does it feel that the is he, is he hyped for the 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 what's his face movie? No, he's not. Uh, because he did not like Ahsoka. He thought it was like the most boring thing he'd ever seen. But he liked it more than Book of Boba Fett. The movie that's titled The Mandalorian and Grogu. Apparently, oh, is it? Yeah, by John Favreau. Oh well, the I've heard he's making that, and then Dave Filoni is making his Air to the Empire movie. Oh, I thought they were the same movie. That's what I thought, but apparently it's two movies. Oh god, I, how many of these movies will actually get made? That's the question. I I can almost guarantee the Dawn of the Jedi movie will not be made. Um, 
And someone noticed some, I I forget who mentioned this, but I saw someone recently say a lot of these Star Wars projects that get announced are curiously always announced whenever there's like a a Disney shareholders meeting about to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that Kathleen and and then they get canceled. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get later canceled. So it's just like a thing that they do just to keep the shareholders under the illusion that, oh, yeah, we're doing something with this IP. Uh, they haven't they done have, any movies since Rise of yeah, Skywalker. Yeah, when they have like no plans of actually making them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I don't. But the thing is, do we want any of these? No, I I honestly don't think anyone wants these movies. I don't think like the average person would want that. I don't like think... outside of Star Wars fan circles, like whatever types of fans. I don't think the mainstream cares. I really hope that we will get a leak of how much Daisy Ridley was paid to be in another Star Wars movie. Because must have been a lot. At, at the end, uh, when Rise of Skywalker happened, I was like, I felt so bad for all of those actors because they took the brunt of the blame for that nonsense. Which, quite for, it's not their fault. Yeah. It was, you know, at least J.J. Abrams' career also died with Rise of Skywalker. Good. It should have died with Star Trek Into Darkness, but for some reason it persisted. But dude, as his Star Trek movies proved, he could do a good Star Wars movie. Yeah, thanks, Red Letter Media. You cursed us. Cursed us with that one. Um, Yeah. As Ryan Johnson now makes movies straight to Netflix. Oh, but he's still getting his trilogy. You just wait and see. I don't think he will. Remember that was announced like almost 10 years ago? What what feels like? It was like 2016. It was announced before Last Jedi came out. Yeah. For promotional purposes. I almost wonder. I wonder if he like stipulated that in his contracts and like they're the. It's like in the contracts they have to, but they know it'll be bad and they don't want to waste it. So they're just like continuously delaying it forever in hopes that he forgets about it or like mm-hmm. the, the contract runs out. He's, yeah. Oh my God. But yeah, um, I think Adam Driver got interviewed recently and they're like, will you come back as like a force ghost for the, the, Jet, new Jedi Order movie? He said, no, absolutely not. Did, did he should have given the Harrison Ford response, what the hell is a Force Ghost? No, he should have, but he didn't. He said, no, I have no intention of going back. Um, John Boyega said, no, you won't Disney Plus me, which is my favorite of those. Well, John Boyega decided to be angry and riot with all the rioters during COVID. So, you know, he's doing his own thing. What about Oscar Isaac? I he hasn't said anything. I don't think he would want to come back. Hmm. Well, I didn't think Daisy Ridley would want to come back. I wonder what it's like to play the most boring hero ever. Well, I think that's why she want she wants to come back is because what are the work is she getting at this point? Yeah, didn't she only do some voice work, but like Nothing big in terms of acting. Like, yeah, she, I know she, she was, was like in a, like, or- was like Orient Express. Yes, she was in Orient Express. That's like the only movie she was in I can remember. Oh, and she, some movie with Tom Holland that flopped hard. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But now here's the thing. If Daisy Ridley had managed to finance as well, she would never have to work again. Force Awakens alone made a shitload of money. If that's the actual quote, that's amazing. Oscar Isaac, if I want a new house, I will come back. <laughs> I mean, I wonder how much they paid Harrison Ford for Force Awakens. They paid I, I, him. Not Force Awakens. I want to know what they paid him for his cameo in Rise of Skywalker. That must have been like we half know, the budget. Okay, Force Awakens, this has been confirmed. They paid him in Battle of Destiny. They, the only way, oh, the way they got him to, to be in that movie was uh, that they would make another Indiana Jones movie. That was that was the only way he was going to come back to Star Wars. And he did and not get... So he could finally kill off both characters, Han and Indy. <laughs> I don't think he wanted and to kill Indiana Jones. I'm, I'm, con I'm convinced, because I can see, in the movie I watched, I could see where the reshoot was. I could see what the original plan was. Like, just without any leaks, just watching the movie... I could tell. What oh, I know was. that they were going to kill Indiana Jones, but I don't know if that was Harrison Ford's idea. I mean, apparently in interviews he talked about how, oh, this is Indy coming to terms with his aging and his mortality, and I was like, there's nothing of that thematically in the movie. Except mm -hmm. the cut ending, where he stayed in the past and died, and they find his skeleton in the future. No, I don't know. I hope they make a third Blade Runner movie. If his character there isn't already dead, they're gonna kill him too. Well, his character didn't die in the second one. They make another American Graffiti movie just to kill him in that too. <laughs> I don't think he's in the second American Graffiti. Yeah, they can bring him back. No <laughs> one's ever really gone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he fights Palpatine. <laughs> I am. I just well, want to say I'm all the characters to have a fist fight. <laughs> Can't you tell I'm tired? <laughs> yeah, we we've been going out for three hours. I uh, yeah, yeah. And, I but think... I'm glad we came around to uh, bitching about indie and how shitty Dial of Destiny was. I felt bad forcing people to watch that with me. You watched, made other people watch it with. Yes, Gabby. yes, he did. Oh my god, this is you're gonna love the snow up. You made people watch Gabby and I, Gabby and I saw it on a date in like the theater. Oh and we got to the two hour mark, and Gabby does not sit through movies that are more than two hours. It's not her thing. Like Attack of the Clones, she got up and like did a bunch of chores and stuff. And it's like, is the movie still going? But because we were in a movie theater, she was like two-hour mark rolls by, she turns to me and she's like, is it done yet? And I'm oh. like, I wish. I but wish it was. Pico in the comments here is right. Um, one of the guys I watched it with made his daughter watch it alongside us. And that was the first indie movie she had ever seen. How old was she? I don't know how old she is. Not older than 10, I think. Okay. But yeah, that's that that's horrible. I saw the Indiana Jones movies when I was like four. And they like the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark like horrified me so much that we didn't watch Temple of Doom. I didn't see it until I was like fourteen. 
Mm. I didn't see it until Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. Yeah, that also is an actual quote by me after I learned that. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> Hey, that's pretty much how Empire's End ends. Mm-hmm. That so I listen to the audio dramas. Oh my the god, no! Raiders They're gonna recreate the Raiders moment, but it's Palpatine with a sword doing the, and then yeah. Han just shoots him. No, he does the weird spin thing from Revenge of the Sith. Han <laughs> just shoots him in the face. Fantastic. That, but that's... Yeah, Harrison Ford really ruined both characters for me. But especially in the holy shit, what he did in that movie. He, he looked... was actually more fun in Rise of Skywalker in his cameo, because he was so clearly not giving a shit. He was drunk, he was unshaven, unkempt. <laughs> he didn't have to interact with, like, anyone. Yeah, he's he just sent. They just brought a green screen to his house. They might have. I don't know. It looks like he's in the same shot as uh, Adam Driver. Yeah, Adam Driver drove along with. You know, he brought the green screen, and they oh, quickly yeah. filled that. Yeah, that's fine. Adam Driver, I feel like the worst for him because he really acts his heart out in those horrible sequel movies. Someone has to. Yeah. Because. Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, they're okay. They're very one-note. And I'm not saying Star Wars movies have good acting. The prequels exist. I can't say that. But Adam Driver is, like, leagues above, like, anyone else in those movies. Even Carrie Fisher. Well, Carrie Fisher, that's a whole nother one who does not give a shit. Mm-hmm. She she didn't give a shit so much she wasn't even she didn't want to be alive for the last one. Too soon? Maybe well, I mean I I audibly laughed really hard when she died in that movie. <laughs> because it was so funny first when they just reused footage from Force Awakens and then when they put like a guy in a wig in the background getting taken away and pretending like oh Leia is sick she has to rest. Well, you know why they had to do that? They they used their motion capture didn't work because <laughs> there's some motion capture in there. Um, I think Billy Lord is stand her daughter is uh, I almost said Billy Eilish that would have been really funny because they just had Billy Eilish as a stand-in for Carrie Fisher. Better movie, but um, yeah, Billy Lord. Is standing in for Leia in some of it. Hmm. It's not. I will say it's better than. Have you guys seen Death Wish Five? Nope. Okay, so Death Wish Five. Charles Bronson's in his seventies, and he he's the woman he's dating gets thrown off a roof and dies, but it's clearly a man in a wig in a woman's wig. And then he jumps off the roof into a pile of garbage and survives. It is the same stunt double, but they put a different wig. 
Uh, they put an old man wig on this time. Building into a pile of trash. Oh yeah, remember when they said they wouldn't use CGI for Carrie in episode nine? They said a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. They 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 lie. Mm-hmm. They lie. About a lot of things. Now I'm just curious what they're gonna do with Indy because Kathleen Kennedy also said, "Oh, we would never make Indiana Jones without Harrison Ford in it." Well, Harrison Ford said, "Oh, well, it, that that whole prologue thing with him de-aged." He's like, "Yeah, I could do another one of these if they de-aged me," and I'm like, "No, you couldn't. You couldn't do that one." Is they de? Dylan, have you seen Dial of Destiny? I have not, thankfully. They de-age Harrison Ford in the beginning, and he looks too young. He looks like he did in American Graffiti, but it's supposed to be 1944. So he should be looking older than he did in Last Crusade. It's just ridiculous. And uh, he and, and as, as you pointed man. out, he runs like an old man. Oh, he did, all of his movements are, are an old man. Which, which I noticed that he moved weirdly, but I couldn't put my finger on it. I thought it was maybe just because of like the technology they used that make it maybe he had to move that way. And then I saw a behind the scenes photo of actual old Harrison Ford. I thought it was just like a stunt guy or whoever. You know, I was just, I was assuming the close ups would be Harrison Ford and it'd be a stunt man for like distance stuff. Because they should have learned from the Irishman where they de aged Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci. That filming with the elderly and making them do things like physical things is not a good thing to do. And we have, if we can have the technology to like de age someone in deep fake, we can have a stand in do it and it looks about the same at this point. So, oh, this the- is also a good point. He also talks like an old man, yeah, because uh-huh. they, they just don't know you. You have to also make the voice sound younger. Well, here's the thing. Um, AI's not there enough. Yeah, yeah, but you get you get Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill can do a good young Harrison Ford impression. Oh, that would be great, but I don't think Harrison Ford's ego would have allowed that. <laughs> um, but do you remember the like in the Obi-Wan show, they have James Earl Jones' voice, but it's AI? Mm-hmm. It's AI-driven, and you can tell because the inflections aren't 100% correct. They did the same thing with Luke when he shows up in the Book of Boba Fett. Awesome. Although Mark Hamill was there for some stand-ins. It's the, the weirdest thing. Like, they have him show up, and then he has a stunt guy because he's not that size anymore. You know what the funniest thing is with Mandalorian and, like, the young Luke they use in the German dub? Uh, they use the old voice actor who voiced Luke in German in the movies and stuff and video games is still around. His son voiced young Luke in the new Disney content. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the old voice actor is also pretty based because he said at a convention like, oh yeah, does that, that new trilogy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Why is it like all the IPs we like are just being slowly ruined? Man, that's Hollywood. It's just and everything. it's Disney. It's everything. Like I was, I just finished playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider. 
What a steaming pile of shit. Why do we gotta have, like, crybaby, like, weird politics in a Tomb Raider game? She's literally more... Laura Croft is just more selfish Indiana Jones. She just raids tombs because it's fun and she's rich. And she happens to save the world and it's an accident. That's like... Oh, so like the, uh, the character, the Fleabag in Dial of Destiny. Yeah, but it's like every... All the classic Tomb Raider games are like that. And then suddenly, it was like the, they slowly were like, oh... We, maybe we shouldn't have our character just murder people. <laughs> and so they like gave her mommy issues, and that was bad. And now she has daddy issues. But she's a strong woman. Hmm. It, it's awful. It's awful. I want my classic Tomb Raider back. I mean, we're getting the remaster. I've been talking about this on Tuesday Treadmill Talks. Because quite frankly, it's the most exciting game coming out this year is just a remaster of games what you're not you're not hyped for indiana jones and the great circle i'm horrified for the great circle i mean i i'm curious because it's an fps indiana jones game that that's bizarre hmm. but i'm gonna be real with you i don't think there's ever been a really good indiana jones game ever yeah, I mean, I don't... Except for Lego Indiana Jones, I don't see people talking about... Uh, well, they, there are people that talk about Fate of Atlantis, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's I'm not the famous point, one. I'm not a point-and-click guy. Mm. I, I actually kind of hate those games. I find them horrendously boring. Um, But, like, I've played all the 3D Indiana Jones games now. Or as much as I could play of Infernal Machine, because that game barely runs... Um. Well, no, actually, I take that back. I have not played Staff of Kings, but I've heard it's it, it's horribly bad because it's a Wii control. Hmm. It's motion controlled, so that's going to be exciting. I might film a. Should I, people? Should I film myself sucking ass at Staff of Kings, dress up as Indiana Jones? I sure. probably move better than Harrison Ford did in Dial of Destiny. Oh, God. Oh, there's one thing. Apparently someone asked, like, hey, what is, what is like, a cool thing Harrison Ford can do in his advanced age, like, uh, on set? And someone responded, well, he can, you know, sit down and get up all on his own. <laughs> That's what you want from Indiana Jones. See, this, the, the irony of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is we do set up that, you know, Mutt can take the reins. But Shia LaBeouf had to be a giant asshole, and they just won't work with him. So we we have to get Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And she's... Who already had a hand in destroying James Bond. She's had a hand in destroying a lot of things. Mm -hmm. She's one of those many British actors that for some reason America has taken in because the Brits won't. Yeah. As I said, it's like the untalented hacks that get exiled from the UK. They get, like, <laughs> banished. Like, uh, James Corden. Yeah, John Oliver and then Fleabag Lady. <laughs> Fleabag Lady? That's her. Isn't that, like, something she's famous for? Like, a show called Fleabag? I have no idea. 
All I know is she was L3 in Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, yeah. So this woman is literally the Millennium Falcon and the heir to Indiana Jones. Yep. How does that make you feel, Noah? It makes me feel really bad. I can tell you what Dylan feels like. He feels like he needs to stretch out on that piss couch and go to bed. And he doesn't have to get up at 3.45 and work. You know, what's the worst thing about Dial of Destiny? The fact that I have to watch it a second time just so we can write the chronology. We'll have to watch it together. Yeah. I think that's the only I'm, way. I'm kind of looking forward to it uh, because that may be fun. we both shitting on it, but I also thought that about the first watch. And there was just dead silence because it wasn't funny, but it was just so depressing. It's I don't think... Yeah, I don't think there was a single shot in the movie that looked good. No, it it looked like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull second half did, and that was I mean, a movie. This, came is, out this is the Disney effect. It made me appreciate shitty George Lucas movies. It made me appreciate Red Tails. Yeah, I never thought I'd say that. Um, it made me appreciate Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. I'll tell say you what, what you want. It's a memorable movie. I'll tell you what, Howard the Duck has some really good special effects in it for being such a giant piece of shit. Like, Howard the Duck, you know, he looks good. He, I'll tell you what, he looks better in the Howard the Duck movie than he does in those Guardians of the Galaxy mm. movies, where he's just a cartoon piece of shit. Oh, Pico, with the hard questions. What's dumber? IG-88 becoming the Death Star, the second one, or Fleabag becoming the Millennium Phil? Um, IG-88 becoming the second Death Star. I think that is one of the dumbest things that was ever put in the EU. Because at least being a part of the Millennium Falcon is kind of funny. Who wrote... That IG-88 story. Kevin J. Anderson. That might be the worst thing he's ever written. Really? That, that That's up there with when Timothy Zahn put Mara Jade in the Jabba's palace in just the most self-inserting nonsense. <laughs> that had people thinks- for decades combing through uh, Return of the Jedi every frame to see where you she know was. why they did that because Shannon McRandall, some of her photos when she modeled as Mara Jade, they put her in as a dancer mm-hmm. and they were in Star Wars Insider. And so, dumb people got fucking who didn't read that Star Wars Insider uh, issue got really fucking confused. Oh, yeah. But I've... yeah, Pico, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, we just made fun of Harrison Ford's voice. Because I don't think it's him acting uh, supposedly grumpy. I think that's just he can't talk properly anymore. He's 80. Yeah, exactly. He's my grandmother's age. That's yeah. fine. You know, you know what? When I posted a review of Holly, the Stephen King book, mm-hmm. I made a point out of like... King is just like too old. He can't write kids. He can't write the dialogue or like how modern people, younger people think. And I got so many comments. That's why I had to take the video down because it 
exploded with the you you fucking elderly shaming. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's it's just... not elderly shaming for saying old people are old and they have problems doing young people stuff. Here, here's the deal. Like, let, let's put it this way: there, there's a reason retirement exists. Mm-hmm. You hit a point, especially like if you work physically, where you just can't do it anymore. That's why you save it. You, you know, you, um, you invest into it. Like Dylan and I will retire. Noah, I think you'll retire at some point. But like for some reason, because we live so damn long now, the people that are famous, just especially men, don't know when to quit. Um, I mean, look at Sylvester Stallone still makes movies. Freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger makes movies that go straight to Netflix. Clint Eastwood is still directing. None of these people should be doing things anymore. They're too old. It, in the case of like doing like action stuff, they're it's a risk to their health. But with like Stephen King and stuff, he doesn't need to write anymore. Or oh, the thing is, he can still write if it's just something he enjoys and stuff. That's cool. But specifically, his he demands he has to write in modern times uh-huh. with modern younger kids, and it's like you just it comes across as phony and badly written because you are not of this generation. You are so far removed and you can't relate. It would be fun if he's just going back to like writing in like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. But him, like the Institute, him writing, him trying to write children who are born in the year 2000, it's like embarrassing and pathetic. You know what this reminds me of? Dylan, you'll get this. Hmm. Do you remember when Michael Jordan owned the Wizards mm-hmm. and then he decided that he had to play for the Wizards in the 2000s well out yep. of his prime mm-hmm. and it was I just sure do. it was just a shit show that mm-hmm. that's what modern Stephen King is just just tarnishing the reputation and he's been doing it for a decade he just how many books has he written well in 10 years three and a half well, if we count 2014 onwards, we got Revival. Revival. We got Bizarre of Bad Dreams, but his short stories, you know, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, fairy Tale, maybe later, but that's it. I would say the first half of The Outsider. Okay. The fir- Until Holly Gibney shows up, and then it's just like, oh, here we go again. It's shocking. And that that would be my fear to tie it back into the Legends podcast. That would be my fear if we continued Legends and we got some of these authors to come back. Yeah. It would be weird. Because I've, I, 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 people have made this point, a good point. These modern authors are just not of like the same mindset as like George oh. Lucas and his generation. They can't, they don't really get what Star Wars is supposed to be in the tone and everything. And, and, and to, to play devil's advocate, they don't necessarily need to be. What they yeah. need to do is write a good story first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You can throw your politics into your story. If it's good, 
it won't matter. Like, here's a prime example. I love the John Carpenter movie, They Live. Do I agree with the politics? Absolutely not. But it's a solid story, and it's a timeless story. Hmm? Now take something like... Uh, Wendy's Final Task? Well, I haven't read that. Hmm. I was thinking something along the lines of the new canon. Um, well, we'll just use Delilah S. Dawson's Phasma. No, we'll take, we'll we'll use her other book, the one that was supposed to be for the theme park. Something Black Spire. Black Spire. Black Spire is full of weird identity politics, graphic torture, and like. Weird sexual tension and is a Disneyland advertisement for the kids. For the kids, it is probably the most violent Star Wars book I have ever read. I mean, she gets a the main character gets a hot poker stuck in her tear duct. Like, that's that's cruel and unusual and very bizarre, especially for Star Wars. That's very bizarre. And also, she has weird sexual tension with the other main character, who is, like, a middle-aged, horny teenager because his, his libido's been oppressed because he was First Order and they don't allow him to have sex, I guess. So he's like going through. So that's where Delilah's former porn authorship comes in. Exactly. But also, the main character, she is like pansexual on top of it. It's like a whole weird thing. And then there's like chapters that are just blatant ads for the stores that are going to be at the Disneyland attraction. Of course. You know, here's the thing if it were a better author, most of that would work. And you wouldn't bat an eyelash at it. But no. I I said this I said this earlier, but like the fact that they're not science fiction authors, I think plays a part. It's like Mm -hmm. science fiction authors just think a certain way. And Uh like they they think about storytelling in like a certain way that like creates like the nature of science fiction is always like, okay, this thing happens. How do I explain? why that thing happens right yeah like it's any like, like like frank herbert stuff dim yeah. stuff is like that and it's like when you don't have that background you don't like you just don't write that way and when star wars is full of people who used to write that way and then they don't it just doesn't work they get ya and porn office <laughs> and not even good ya authors If they did, they had gotten Jude Watson, that would be another topic. I don't know if Jude Watson's written anything since 2008. Yeah. Not for Star Wars, definitely not. Not in general. Pretty much her entire bibliography is Star Wars. Hmm. There's stuff written before, and but after science adventures, it's primarily just Star Wars. But anyway, I think we should call it. 
I'm yeah. really tired. It's been three and a half hours. I think we've gotten enough podcast yeah. done. Yeah. I need you to get something to eat. At least this woke me up. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to go lay down because I have to be up in a couple hours to work. <laughs> anyway, that was great. It was God, fun talking well, about Indian Jones on this Star Wars Legends podcast. Hey, you know what? We we represent all of Lucasfilm. I can't wait for when we talk about Red Tails on here. Oh boy, we're gonna get we're gonna get to Willow. We're gonna get to American Graffiti. Hey, I'll talk some American Graffiti. That movie's fun. I'll oh, talk. Some, one... I'll tell you what. I I want to talk some THX one one three eight. Compare the different cuts and then the and the, the novelization by uh, famous science fiction author Ben Bova. I need to get a copy of it, but yeah, I'm very much fine editions. Get Alex Wheeler to do it. I don't know if he'll do it, but uh, I think we'll try to see if we can get him to LegendsCon. That'd be nice. One thing at the end regarding one thing at the end regarding Indie and Lucasfilm. You know how like a holocron for Star Wars, Leland Chi was in charge of the Indiecron. Oh yeah, Mean Chili. Yeah. Chilently. So he was in charge of the Indicron, which I find hilarious. Who was? Uh, yeah, yeah Chilently, famously. Oh, you obviously haven't heard of him. You obviously haven't heard of Chili. That's, that's a, a joke that's older than Noah is at this point. Ancient. Back when people had phone books in their house, still. Back, back when. Uh, I mean, I still have phone books. John I Sapp use them, you know. Spot, yes. Wow, I see. I these days, I don't even know where I'd go to get a phone book if I wanted one. I don't know either. I think this phone book, I, it's under one of my shelves, like to hoist it up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, the primary purpose nowadays. Yeah, I don't know. I, they haven't given one to me. Yeah, like where would you if you wanted a phone book, where would you go? Like, does Yellow Pages even exist anymore? Look. <laughs> this is out important here. to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I want to say uh, so we got for Star Wars uh, the Holocron for Indiana Jones, the Indicron, which is funny because they couldn't even come up with like a name that fits the franchise. <laughs> So I wonder if Leland Chi is also in charge of like the Willow Cron or the Red Tails Cron. <laughs> well, Red Tails only has, I guess Willow technically has like. Uh, technically, yes, the Yellow Pages still exist. <laughs> You're welcome. What do they do anymore? <laughs> I think you have to request it, but it, because they say it's for older demographics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so who do they call to get the Yellow Pages? Go to our website to get the yellow pages. They don't have the computers. They they got the jitterbug. <laughs> Actually, I, in my one of my classes, there's a kid. He has a cell phone, and it's an old jitterbug. Now I'm just imagining like a bunch of like old people, like 80, 90 year olds, asking like their younger relatives, "Can you go on the internet and order me the yellow pages, please?" <laughs> They probably just send them to the nursing homes. <laughs> or like the local community center. It's like Yeah, this is the rec center. <laughs> the rec center. <laughs> like, oh, we got this. <laughs> Old man O'Leary will can finally get his phone book. 
they just had them out at the graveyard <laughs> during during the ceremonies. No. Yeah, yeah. Got you during got the funerals. Can I see some IDs? <laughs> you can. He just handed the phone book. It's like, oh, sorry, that won't be necessary. They have to have, the phone book's too heavy. They have to have it carried out to their car. That comment is great. I bet Matt Wilkins still <laughs> uses a phone book. Whoever gets the end of this podcast, like it was worth it. A lot of perseverance. (laughs) At least one person is now googling what is a phone book. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of want to ask Matt Wilkins now if he actually has one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, get out your phone. Yeah, do it. I'm texting him right now. Okay. Do you own a phone book? <laughs> He's gonna be like, what is this, 1998? No. Isn't it like fucking midnight for you guys? Uh, 10.30. Great. Just randomly in it, the night. It, hey, Matt, do it, you have a phone book? Oh, yeah. It's midnight for him. Yeah. Uh, Important question. Cannot wait. Do you oh. own a phone book? Did you, are you texting it too? No. That would be funny. I just got, I randomly got an email and I'm just like, who is emailing me at 10.30? Is it an advertisement for phone books? <laughs> I swear, if I start getting phone book advertisements <laughs> because my phone is listening to me, I'll go up there. My dad got his picture in the phone book when he was first graduated law school. He just texted me back and said no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Case closed. He said, who uses a phone book anymore? <laughs> Even Boomer Matt doesn't use a phone book. Why is he up at 12.30? <laughs> well, it's a Friday, so. The THX 1138 Chrome. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of disappointing that he doesn't but I love that I'll text him and he'll just leave me for like hours, if not days unread. But that, that, that was worthy of a response. I think he knew, he knew that that question, the, the implications of that question, and he had to squash them. (laughs) Oh no, he texted me again. (laughs) Oh no. He says, and before you ask, no, I don't have a dial-up internet either. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh, this reminds me. I haven't shown you guys my new phone. Matt Wilkins would approve. (laughs) 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 To the audio podcast listeners... 
he is a holding up a, a rotary, rotary phone. <laughs> a golden ro- rotary phone. And not like one of those like class like this looks like fucking 18th century or something. Mm-hmm. That's a Corella Deville phone if I've ever seen one. Yeah. You know, from the hit uh, Disney movie Corella, starring Emma Stone. <laughs> Clearly, only appearance. That's the one that matters because women. Strong women. Yes. The one who wanted to murder dogs was actually the good call it, actually the good call guy him Met on his <laughs> Anyway, this has been the Legends Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was brought to you by uh Charter Spectrum Internet. Sponsored by the phone book company. (laughs) (laughs) Rather yellow pages. (laughs) All right, everyone, have a good one. (laughs) Bye.